You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is David Scales for the Surf Splendor Network. Today, I'm bringing you an episode of The Grit with Chas Smith for September 11th, 2017. This episode is gargantuan. This is officially the longest episode of any Surf Splendor show that I've ever recorded, verging on three hours. We asked what length you guys wanted the episodes, and you said no limit. Longer is better. So here you go. It was fueled by alcohol. We got out of hand, and uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I've got to say. So the end of the episode is way better than the beginning. If you can persevere the first ninety minutes or so. All right, everything that we discuss is on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Um, the videos, the links to articles, imagery, and then of course there's a comment section where you can engage. And then Chaz will post this episode on beachgrit.com as well as well as a lot of uh, of his other writings and articles. And and then, of course, on social media, I'm at Surf Splendor, and then Chaz is at Reports from Hell, and engage in the ongoing conversations there as well. That's a great way to kind of continue what, whatever we discuss in this show, continue it there on social media. And, of course, we will then follow up again in the next episode with whatever you guys chime in on. Um, I make notes throughout the course of the weeks, and then we just continue this ongoing conversation. You get it. You get the idea. I don't know why I'm over-explaining it. All right. Without further ado, enjoy today's show. I'll be back in three hours to sign us off. Thanks. So yes, we can record you cracking a beer, but I also stocked up on coconut water and vodka. If oh, you would prefer. I'm totally going to do coconut coconut vodka. Okay, cool. Then, yes. I'm going to keep your beer. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you can totally keep it. All right, we're cutting. You and me and people. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Are we cheersing with beer or coconut water? We're cheer- cheersing coconut water first. Okay, cheers. Actually, we should probably... Yeah, we're cheersing with that. Mmm. It's nice, isn't it? Mmm. Isn't it good? It's my first sip ever. Is, did you, it's good, huh? It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Actually, it's better than coconut water is by itself. It is, because sure. the, the vodka cuts the uh, the greasiness yeah, of coconut water. It's good. So we're back uh, from our quick little pause break, and we decided we're going to do beer. Let's cheers with beer. We're going to, yeah. Cheers. We're going to do beer first and then vodka cocoa. Perfect. And it's uh, 1 o'clock. It's not even 1 o'clock. No, no, we're on early. Friday afternoon. Yep, so it's plenty. We're, we're past drinking hour. All right, I was concerned that you had meetings that you would have to attend uh, after this and that you would not participate in drinking with me because I got nowhere to go. Yeah, there's no such thing as not drinking. But do you have meetings after this? Uh, I did one, and I do have another one after this. Awesome. But showing up, showing up a little loose... Is never a bad thing. Might be better sometimes. Yeah, it's always better. Um, <laughs> so I spent the whole morning in the kitchen um, prepping food to Perfect. host my parents for dinner. Perfect. So, and that's all I've got to do from this point on. It's just prep. So, what, are you, what are you cooking? I was, I was prepping, and then I got to start cooking. Um, I'm doing, trying to really just relish these last few days of summer. Yeah. And so I'm going with a summer-inspired menu out on the grill. Mediterranean? 
No, I'm going grilled scallops. Okay. But with like um, like a corn elote, which is like Mexican corn that you yeah. get on the stick with yeah, the mayo, yeah. but like the doing it a little and- bit. Yeah, doing a little bit different, not on the on the cob, obviously. Um, and arugula, and then a salmon with cucumber, like smashed cucumber, dates, lemon, fennel. How are you not scooped off the market yet? Being well, able to cook like that. Yeah. Ladies, yeah. listen up, man. Yeah. I'll post photos to Instagram. I mean, cool. will you? Of the elote? No, I won't. Actually, maybe to the story. I yeah. can't have that exist on the proper feed. No. But maybe to the story. Okay. That, I mean, I, I feel the people demand to, to see the elote. See, because I asked you if it was okay in our Barrel or Nos segment at one point, if it was okay to post Instagram photos of food. And, and I said, said no. I said no, right? Exactly. Yeah. And except for now that we've discussed it, uh, I feel that this is part of the, this is not just a photo of food. This is part of a narrative, right? It is. It is. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Done. It'll be posted. Good. Um, So, dude, we have so much to catch up on. So much has happened in the world of surf, and then so much has happened in the world of gossip. Yeah. Where do we begin? Uh, Let's start with surf. Okay. I'll tell you what. I've got one that dances a fine line between the two. Okay. Listener email. Yeah. Listener email from Bruce in Austin, Texas. He says, the entertaining sport of surfing needs more outsider analysis it's a crime that there mustn't isn't more inside coverage of the wsl anytime there is something controversial interesting the wsl brushes it off and flat out or flat out doesn't speak of it don't you think the wsl should embrace sharks embrace the post heat raging of, on the judges embrace contestants potential disdain for one another don't you think somebody on the tour has to hate gabriel medina we should know those stories beach grit is the closest thing to surfing's tmz and it's done with integrity and wit i would actually question well, uh, both yeah, those statements I, I would too um but surfing is a pro- is a professional sport and it should be filled with way more behind the scenes drama and controversy for the fans we absolutely get bored to tears between contest windows uh, with that, I just want to say, keep up the great work on the show with Chaz. It's great. Get down and dirty, stir the pot, and keep us entertained. End quote. Great. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. I would love to see the WSL um, start mining those stories, you know, and not, and not just about, like, stoking rival, rivalries between the surfers, but just all of it. Like, why not, right? I yeah. mean, and, and I'm sure... Again, I think we talked about it, if not last show, the show before. The number one watched sports video of the entire year was the McFanning uh, shark attack, right? Right. Um, so the fact that that's what's driving numbers, and I think the WSL did a pretty good job on that one of, of milking it. Yeah. But moving forward, I think they should have milked, and they should be milking it at trestles also, right? Like yeah. the breaching sharks and the... and. Whatever. Is it, has there been breaching sharks lately, or are they gone? I don't know. Did you see Mark Healy's post this morning of a whale hitting a dolphin, or not a dolphin, a uh, sea lion with its tail? Out of the water. So far out yeah. of the water. Literally like 50 feet up. Like insane. Yeah. It was amazing. So no, I haven't seen the breaching sharks, but um, I think to his point, the sharks are one thing. I think it's more interesting to hear... The rivalries. The rivalries, sure. dude. Like the Felipe Toledo quote storming the judge's tower... Sure. And they avoid it. They don't say why. They suspend him from Fiji. The commentators say that he got suspended from Fiji, but they never again say why it no, was. No. And, and, it's, and he, he even has to come out with an apology, right? Because he exactly. released an apology. That's But what's it referencing? Nobody really knows. I mean, unless you know, uh, you don't know what he's apologizing for. And nobody even knows. And again, we've talked about it here on the show. But uh, I don't have any uh, idea how 
much worse or different his storming the judge's tower was than Zeke Lau's, right? Remember right. when Zeke, Zeke yeah. like, and from from anecdotal evidence I've heard, Felipe went a lot bigger than Zeke did, but I don't know that. And the, how great would it be if you had, uh, who's the Turley guy who does the follow cam? Uh, yeah, Peter King. Yeah, Peter King. If you had Peter King, like, following Philippe up to the judge's tower and yeah. recording it. Why? Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess maybe the WSL is making a purposeful thing of, of not wanting to be uh, wrestling, pro wrestling. Right. Um, but it seems like they do want to be part of MMA, especially, or like MMA. They just hired over somebody from the MMA, right? The yeah. The content director guy? Yeah, Joseph Carr. Yeah, I think exactly. His name. Exactly. Um, I only know that because there's a winery called Joseph, Joseph Carr, Carr Winery. There's a, there's a winery called Charles Smith Winery, too. I know, up in Washington. Yeah. They make good wines. I one time emailed him a long time ago and said, hey, my name's Charles Smith. Your name's Charles Smith, or somebody. Could could you send me some wine? And never heard back. You would get along really well with him. He's kind of like this rock and roll personality. He, isn't wasn't he a, in some band or something? He was a roadie. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So, um, yeah, it, I, you know, in the wine industry, everything is so austere. Yeah. You don't have to be that much of a rock and roller to be considered be a, a rock, rock and roller. roller so you, you, can be a, you can be a roadie and be, yeah, be exactly. a rock star of wine. That's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, um, but back to the MMA part about serving, I, I still don't know what uh, the WSL wants. It's, it's like consumer-facing image to be, right? Right. Is it a sport? Is it a lifestyle? I think when... Uh, Sophie Goldschmidt came on. She wrote something in her introductory newsletter. Sophie Goldschmidt is the new CEO of right. the WSL. Wrote something about uh, surfing being, you know, at the nexus between sport and lifestyle, and servicing them both is important. Um, I think that's a lot easier said than done because they could go way sporty, which is what it is now. Uh, and I wonder if you if you really go after the athletes' blow ups and stuff like that, if if you know, they feel that's too lifestyle. I, I love that stuff, right? You do. It's what we talk about. Well, yes. And I think it only enriches their brand, whether they're the people that do it or not. It's yeah. important to be having the conversations around the brand. That's the question though. Are they the ones who should be doing it? No, I mean, I think, I think what they should be doing here, my two cents on this is the WSL as the big tent should uh, be farming out shows to like say beach grit, right? Where we have a show that's under the WSL tent, uh, where they don't like have any say on what goes down, um, but then we have access to their archives. You know, yeah. we can interview their surfers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you know, and to not going after anybody's wives or anything like that, but to reason or to a reasonable extent, be able to discuss like you know fun little gossipy stuff about about the tour and about the personalities on tour. That was my thought as well. When I read that email was like, they should just be inviting you and I to trestles sure. to the, to the lowers event and totally. just be like, Hey guys, here's the media pass. Totally. And if you do need access to the footage or anything like that, let us know and we'll get it to yep. you and then not give us any direction, but just allow us to be amongst it. Yeah. You know, pulling so, people over, asking questions. I think there's a, I think there's a big, obviously trust issue with, you know, I think they feel they're protecting the brand yeah. at some level. But when you sit on the brand, uh, it's equally damaging, I think, yeah. like when you when you let nothing out. But I feel that I hope that moving forward, like Beach Grit used to get busted all the time. We got, we've been kicked off Facebook, literally kicked off for a week at a time for reposting World Surf League videos that they had already put out 
like in no context, right? I mean, we would put it up. It would be like a great, excuse me, great Julian Wilson air or something. We would repost it. Uh, WSL would tattle to Facebook that we were uh, breaching their copyright. Facebook would kick us off Facebook. And it would kill me. And I'm like, we didn't, all we were doing is bringing you eyeballs, right? Like totally. we were reposting a video. We weren't saying whoever it was doing the air is a kook. We weren't saying anything negative about it. It was, it was let's celebrate this thing. Now that doesn't happen anymore, which uh, makes me feel like the WSL has, I think that was under the Paul Speaker regime. It was. That was really happening. Now I feel they've moved beyond that and realized that. Uh, any any publicity is good publicity. Like anybody talking about this is good is good talk. And so maybe uh, the bar or the or the pendulum will continue to swing to the okay. Let's let non WSL sanctioned but mm-hmm. real surf personalities actually into the tent or into the world of you know and actually be able to do shows um, that we don't control, but we trust enough that these people are responsible, you know, and won't be like. You know, getting getting a lawsuit thrown at us by being totally ridiculous, right? Uh, but the but the, the content would be different from what we would produce, but also fun from a from a WSL perspective. Well, I think what they're going to have to recognize is that these conversations are happening anyways, and if they should actually they'd be allowing they'd actually be exercising a little bit more control by allowing us access into it rather than just having pure speculation from the outside. Totally. I mean, yeah. I, I guess. An, in one way, though, it's a bit of a hard nut because I don't think the NBA or the NFL or, or uh, you know, NHL, I don't watch hockey much, but I don't think they do any real gossipy stuff. That gossipy stuff or whatever, behind-the-scenes stuff, is reserved for ESPN and, you know... But they give ESPN access, right? I mean, ESPN right? has huge access. They have to, yeah. yeah. Which which I guess there's no ES... There's no... Oh, I guess there is. The ESPN of WSL is the various surf media that's out there sure. right now. And... Hopefully they will start. I think they will. I, I feel good about the WSL going to like start moving for uh, toward, um, yeah, d- just allowing different different perspectives. Well, the WSL sent out an email today, and the title of it was "The Job You've Always Wanted." Oh yeah, did yeah. you see this? Oh, I posted that on. Uh, that was Beach Crate yesterday. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, no, I didn't check but it's, it. it's amazing. Did you read? Did yeah, you read the whole thing, dude? The, the ambassador of Stoke and Leisure. I don't even understand what the job is. Are they trying to get somebody into the into like the bleachers to cheer? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. You ready for this? So the as far as I can tell, I read it fairly confused right that the job title is the ambassador of stoke and leisure mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure it'll be posted i mean there's a it's on beach grid so it can be linked i just i just honestly reposted the whole thing got it uh it seemed like a glorified kind of internship where you were going to get flown to hawaii yep uh you were going to i from all i can tell it's you are going to be part of the wsl's um instagram feed so you're going to be taking pictures of what you see as kind of this outside outside perspective and then posting them to the WSL's Instagram feed during the six months of uh, you know North Shore three months three yeah, or, yeah. Sorry, three months of the of the North Shore time um, but it doesn't say anything about Instagram and it doesn't say anything about photos it does it says in the when you get down so you click through it oh I uh, click. it's, it's okay. like your responsibilities are gramming they call it gramming right oh, okay. uh, so your responsibilities are doing are like being happy or something gramming what you see uh, and there was one other thing, but but gramming was the only thing you actually had to do. Got it. Um, and then you got, I think the the benefits or whatever were cash, 
being in Hawaii. So I'm assuming they're just they're giving an intern a room in the the WSL house to go yeah Instagram right. So I thought this thing was it was worded really goofily. Obviously, it was like really young, you know. And I thought, okay, this is silly and funny. It's so silly and funny that I don't even have to. It speaks for itself. So I just put it up on Beach Crit, except for I also threw it up on my gram on Instagram <laughs> and uh, got multiple, multiple young high schooly people saying, this is awesome. How to like who didn't read really? any sarcasm in what I had written or how it was posted only thought this is amazing. Oh Please tell me how to sign up for this. Uh, and then that's when I realized WSL like I tip my cap you understand your demo way better like I was just thought okay this is silly but clear very clearly based on, based on the sample of my Instagram followers uh, young young people were really really excited about that opportunity it is hilarious they were honestly to goodnessly wanting to figure out how they could apply for the job the that is people. so funny yep. because even as I read it I actually discredited the WSL because I was like even if I wanted this job I wouldn't apply for it because you guys didn't even explain what the job no, was no, of course, of course. and you made it sound so silly it's just silly and, and young but by I mean, design by design yeah, it's silly and young and getting a young person who and it, again like I feel I felt after I got hit up enough times by young people who, who really thought it was like yeah. I was somehow involved sure I thought well shame on me for just being an old crappy man reading this you know young fresh thing and just clowning on it yeah uh, when no they're gonna get the they're going to get a free intern to Instagram for them and well, that intern is gonna be hyped you're right free intern so that's the thing even though they, they're offering money it's like anybody who would actually reply to that yeah is willing to do it for nothing yeah, you totally. know well, I mean it's, it's a bit weird too because any like you know it's six weeks during December more I mean it's you know December into uh, January right I mean, I mean it's kind of like November it's November into January yeah but yeah in any case though it's not a kid it can't be a kid in school in high school so there it's got to be and it can't really be a kid in college so I don't know I don't know who could take off time so it's theoretically somebody it's like a young working professional who doesn't have a job is is what the target is plenty of those exactly and again to WSL's credit and to my discredit uh, those people I guess are a lot younger now than they were a few years ago and I still think of people like oh man any like you know Generation X person would read this and just scoff at it because it's so positive and so you know whatever but I, I just I had to in that moment recognize my own generational blinders as it were and yeah credit credit the WSL for reaching beyond yeah the the shallow shallow kind of pool that I reached to it's a tough realization man (laughs) it's one that Derek Riley never Derek Riley my partner at Beach Crit will never ever uh, I have no idea how old he is he will never acknowledge his age really Uh, yeah yeah he he just doesn't talk about it Um, he believes that nostalgia uh, about anything is basically the death knell and so you're only you're you never listen if you're Derek you never listen to old music you're never nostalgic about one thing that happened to you before you're only ever forward looking and I think there's a real point to living that way um, if you don't it's if, fascinating if you never want to age if you want to be Michael Jackson well it's fascinating to me and um, immediately it makes me judgmental of him like you know like dude just accept but then also I love somebody living with that much conviction sure. that's how you know wake the David Koresh or whoever got people to drink Kool-Aid. It's yep. just 
there's enough people who just want somebody to follow who has a passion about something. And so I always love people who have that amount of passion, even though I wouldn't follow the same principle. However, it's inevitable, Derek. Like yeah. you, you kind of, it's You're impossible gonna, to not age. It's you know? true. It's true. But to, to Derek's point, I will say that people who get over, like nostalgia is something that takes you over. The older you get, the more nostalgic you get. And then all of a sudden you're only talking about what was sure. Uh, at the same time, criticizing what is, which is, you know, more or less what I was doing with that WSL quote I, totally. or the post. I was reading those words in that way and thinking this is, this is straight up foolish um, where it would have behooved me at that moment to think, okay, this is, I mean, I had no idea that it would actually work, but again, from my, from my very small pool of people who, who responded to me about it, it, it worked with their demo. Like, it really hyped people out. That's people funny, were, wanted to be the ambassador of Stoke and Leisure. Really interesting. I'm going to have to rethink or, or at least ponder um, Derek's philosophy on life. Because he's a smart guy, so like I know there's more packed sure. into that sure. than what, what you, I'm giving it credit for. What right you now. really have to – what you really the, – the part of it that I've taken on personally is that nostalgia – while great, like it's it's great to think back on stuff that you enjoyed when you were a kid. The more that takes over, yeah. the less room you have to look at what's actually coming. Uh, and you just you you basically that's that's how age really takes over. I think. Sure. And by age, I don't mean in like getting you know physically less fit or whatever. Like the the natural things that happen. I think that to Derek's, I guess in Derek's perspective, you can stop mentally aging in a way right as long as you're as long as you keep looking forward and not looking back you're going to just keep moving forward Mm. which there's some especially i think for our for our ages too that you know nostalgia is a real thing like oh it was better i I mean i guess for every age right you get to a point and it was you start getting dreamy about oh man you know the surf industry back in the early 2000s was so much fun i would on i mean yeah i'm working on the lisa anderson doc documentary right now and so i've been you know, chewing through uh, surf footage of the eighties. Um, and I said out loud, out loud accidentally the other day, man, surfing was so much funner in the eighties. And of course it wasn't right. I mean, it's as fun now as it was ever. Uh, it's just a lot easier to see, you know, day glow from 1988 and think, Oh man, those guys were living the dream. Whereas we're living in the apocalypse, but, and you see chicks on the beach and you're like, sure. chicks were so hot in the eighties. Totally. And no, yeah, yeah, no. It's just it, the novelty. It, it completely. Yeah. And so again, yeah, the, the nostalgia I will say is is a rotten a rotten fruit. I would love to have a discussion with him about the music that he does listen to. Then, oh, I, like I'll tell you. I mean, when Derek <laughs> Riley rents a car and comes down to Cardiff by the Sea, it is XM uh, radio is tuned to. Uh, what's the what's the their big hip hop one? I don't listen to XM. I oh yeah, it's idea. it's whatever that whatever like the super progressive hip modern yeah. modern hip hop is what Derek listens to. Man, yeah, there's just so much richness in history and yeah. in older music. Nope, and nope, Derek, crazy. Yeah, Derek, Derek don't care. He is listening to Lil Yachty, or and I'm sure Lil Yachty's not even cool right now. He's listening right. to the the. Like not the he's not on the cutting edge because it's XM radio. So like right. I listen to the music my fifteen year old stepdaughter listens to, right? And then I feel like okay, whether I like it or not is immaterial. At least I'm getting an accurate picture of what of what fifteen year olds are listening to. Derek is not accurately listening to what fifteen year olds are listening to. He's listening to the XM package version of that, but it's still 
you know, that's what it is. Whatever's fascinating. On, yeah. Whatever's on XM's hip hop station right now, man. Yep. Uh, so while I disagree with Derek's philosophy, I want to live my life with that much conviction. Yeah. You it's know? true. It's true. Conviction. Yeah. 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 Um, did you ever ride? We need to have a conversation about asymmetrical surfboards so again. Do. Did you ride that board? Okay. So here's the thing. I've been meaning to post, uh, my post in my mind on beach grit is, uh, asymmetry colon. I'm in love with a monster. Um, and I haven't, I've been waiting to post it because I've been waiting for a halfway decent day. Uh, it's been so crap down North County. Uh, but I think I'm in love with that board. Really? I think that it might have changed my entire world. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's huge. It, it's, it's, it's been huge to be okay. honest. Again, I've had, uh, three waves that were like kind of surfable. I mean, I've, you know, but even so I took it out the first day and it couldn't have been more than waist high okay. and like really crappy. Uh, I had one little pump down the line that I thought, Oh, like normally on waist high waves, you know, and it was, I think it was just dumping. Uh, but I had a little runner and I thought this, this feels good. And then I pulled into a backside, uh, close out, you know, a little mini barrel and the way it gripped the face backside, I, I don't think I've ever felt that on a surfboard mm. before. And so, and I've had this same rough experience uh, on slightly better waves, but I'm waiting for one good wave to really give my full endorsement because I don't know if it's, if I'm, there's, yeah, I mean, it's a, have you ridden one yeah. like that? With yeah. That so, setup? well, so I've ridden three different asymmetrical surfboards, two by Donald Brink, one by Matt Parker at Album that he actually loaned me as well when we were having a similar discussion a couple of years ago. And, um, but I've never ridden them in good waves. Yeah. And so I always have a question mark like you have yeah. where it's like, Ooh, I, this part felt good, but I really need a proper testing ground. Why did you, why did you give it back before you got a good wave? You know, I just didn't know what the appropriate amount of time to keep what, the board was. What is an appropriate amount of time for a loaner? <laughs> I think, Matt? um, a album? month, a month would be the appropriate amount of time. I think I feel like I've had that one now for what two weeks? Not quite two weeks. There's absolutely yeah. no way I'm giving it back until I ride a proper wave. Yeah, I feel I'm doing well, him a disservice if I that, give it back okay, before. Because and if that, you're writing an article about it, yeah, then yeah, that's I'm, I'm totally actually weighing in. Okay, I, I, and and all of asymmetry lies in the balance here, as far as I'm concerned. Like, Fair enough. <laughs> this is not just it's you're not giving just, yourself a lot of credit. Yeah, yeah, a lot of credit. So I, I will say though, what you said resonated. The few words that you said about those two waves resonated with me with the um, album surfboard that I did borrow. It was matte black, uh, short board. It was like five ten front traction pad, mm. two traction pads. I mean, it's everything that we've talked about yep. not doing yep. unless you're doing airs. But what it what resonated with me that you said is there was a sensitivity to it that felt remarkable where it's kind of like, I didn't get great waves on it, but the board did exactly what I wanted it to do when I wanted it to do it in a way that is not familiar to me. And so I'm like, well, is that just this board's a magic board or is it the asymmetry that's applying that sensitivity? So yesterday, yesterday I surfed it and, and it was, it was like peaky D street, right? It wasn't great, but at least it was peaky. Uh, I caught a wave, I'm regular foot, uh, on go- going right. Uh, I turned like I've never turned before. It just turned so easy. Right. Like I did a little bottom turn and went up and like cranked it all the way around without barely even trying. 
Yeah, and that's that was. I mean, I felt so maybe sensitivity is the right totally, but it, but it didn't feel squirrely at all, right? No, like it exactly. Just, it turned when I wanted it to. Like I threw a little bit of muscle into it, and it gave me a lot more back than I put in. But then backside though, it feels like it's sticky, right? It feels like like usually backside I'll goof around and just because it's easier to crank turns backside, yeah, than frontside. So I'll just do you know stupid cranked out turns, and it wouldn't let me do that. Uh, but it did like grab the wave and allow me to. Like even in that dumb little closeout barrel that I pulled into, I was I was drawing a proper backside barrel line in the mm. closeout, which I rarely do in a closeout. I'm always I'll always pull in and be like pulling out the back already, sure. uh, just because I'm you know that board like locked me in, and actually it was a proper. I mean, if it would have been a, a proper barrel, I would have come out. So. I'm wondering if remember one of the things that Matt said specifically was placing the cluster of fins yep. under. Is it is it the cluster that's under the heel and the single that's under the toe or vice versa? It's the singles under the toe, and so you're so yeah. I'm doing I'm doing twenty turns theoretically on my toe, and then really grabbing with the quad on the heel, which that's or drive off the toe too. So if yeah. your front side. You're kind of getting that yep. projection and drive, and then once you go to the turn, that's where the sensitivity precisely kicks in. Yep. Which, again, shitty waves. You know, I've, I think I've ridden it. I think I've served it like five or six times now, though. Okay. But, but all shitty waves. But uh, my my big question marks coming out were why is everyone not doing this? That's I. But again, that's not really questioning the value of the board. That's more. Um, the answer lies in just the surf industry is notoriously slow to change. We're still riding polyurethane with wood stringers that we started riding in the 50s. It's true. You know what I mean? Except except I've been through like the epoxies. Like nothing else has felt quite right. Like epoxy was too light, right? I always thought that epoxy wasn't was too a, light. Oh, no. That, There's not was, an epoxy. Yeah. You're right. That one's poly. Um, I, I always, it has its application, but it's not better than poly. It's not better. No. Uh, you know, I've had... But Cra- carbon like, wraps, stuff like that. I've done, you know? I love, I love Biolus's carbon wrap. I have a yeah. Biolus carbon wrap that I that I adore. Okay. Like the Fleck. Have you ridden a carbon wrap? I have ridden carbon patches, but not Biolus's carbon wrap. His wrap, the flex on that thing is so dreamy fun. Like it feels really, really good. Like you can actually feel. I mean, you don't feel the flex, but like it, it feels like it has spring to it. Do you? What's your deal with Biolus? Do you get boards at? discounted rate or what i yeah. gotta get on that program i get you one you want one yeah i, I get team cost okay yeah yeah on a team hook board? it up dude yeah yeah easy because i've i bought a few of them 10 years ago or maybe like late 90s or something but i haven't ridden one since yeah his his new stuff i mean like you know my favorite that he has is, uh, the puddle jumper which is like you know not a performance surfboard at all but it's yeah it's i mean it's fun yeah it's fun as except yeah, nothing, nothing, I have nothing bad to say, except the only thing I do have to say is the doors of perception are now open to me with this asymmetry, and I, I feel like I need to wander down this path just for a bit to see, because I think Matt said when we talked about it, it shouldn't feel tons different. Uh, I can't remember what exactly, it was something about it, it shouldn't feel radically different, and it doesn't feel radically different, no. but it did change my surfing, and I feel my surfing hasn't changed for a decade, right? Wow. Like I surf more or less, you know, the same way that I have for the last 10 years on this one. And again, that's why I'm waiting for a good way because I felt I would do different things. I would draw different lines. I would do different turns. um, And that was, that was exciting. 
Yeah. And also fascinating. The, the thrill, the thrill you get out of people commenting on the fin setup on that board. It's so it's so different that every time I got out of the water I would have at least three or four comments, you know, walking up the stairs of like, oh, so was that on purpose or it's sick? Or they so. were they making fun though? No, no people love, people were fascinated. I okay. think that I mean, I don't know. It's maybe just a North County thing. I don't know if you took a board like that out at Trestles if people would just scoff at you. Uh, but in North County, I feel that there's an appetite for uh, progressive <laughs> progressive design. Um, and so, yeah, okay. people seemed like they were they were intrigued by what it did. Yeah, especially okay. in the fan. I don't I don't think people care as much about the asymmetry as they do about the fan placement. Well, one thing that I feel like got completely overlooked was um, about a week ago they. Obviously, the video came out with Jerry Lopez surfing Kelly's surf ranch because yep. they switched that wave to a left, and Jerry was riding an asymmetrical board. Totally. How Wait, rad was that? It was totally... But again, now I don't know why you wouldn't, especially on a wave like Kelly's wave, where it seems like if you know what you're going to do uh, and you really know how the wave is, why wouldn't you shape a board that would be for that wave, which would be an asymmetrical board? Right. I mean, there would be no reason not to ride an asymmetrical board there. Yeah. Like, or I, I can't think of no, one. No, I can't think of one either. Because you know what's going to happen every totally. single time. You can put the exact foam you want in the exact place you want. Yeah. Like, that's what I wonder. If if uh, wave pool boards are going to be drastically different. Did you look at uh, the clip of Bethany Hamilton just mm-hmm. came out of her writing it? Did you notice her board? No. Her board, look at her board that she's writing. It's bizarre looking. It's super fat and flat, it looks, uh, which, of course, you know, it's fresh water, so you're going to need more foam yeah. to float you and all that stuff. But I just, I just wonder if eventually the boards that are used at wave pools are going not even going to resemble surfboards. Yeah. You know, it will be somewhere between, like, wakeboards and and traditional surfboards. I mean, I could see, honestly, um, Kelly Slater's wave company – partnering with obviously firewire would be the fit for him because he's co-owner in the brand sure and just having a stockpile of boards there that are designed for the wave pool that you just show up and take one off the rack totally Totally. that's what they will do yeah i mean if you're and and you could almost do it if you're you know six one one yeah exactly this is your board go to the rack and if you're that size these are five options yeah um so with jerry's board uh, first of all, how come nobody that I saw on the internet commented on the fact that he didn't even get barreled? Yeah, because did I, you notice that? I did, but I think the way they the way they stuck the camera, they tried to make it look like he did. Right? Yes, they, they had, did try. They, but he was not, he wasn't barreled, was he? No. Yeah. Nobody even noticed it. I was like, this is Mister Pipeline. Like, I'm not questioning Jerry's ability at sure. all. Obviously, the guy knows how to get shacked. But how did you not? Or why would you even post the footage without him getting barreled? Like, if he didn't get barreled that day, or maybe the wave wasn't doing it or whatever, but the wave actually was, Yeah. Um, don't even post it, because I would expect the internet to go afire. I'm shocked that people haven't freaked out about it. But that. I think I think it was the pure, because I considered that as well, and thought it was the angle. They tried to make it look like he got barreled. The wave was barreling. He was in the pocket. Uh, the angle they had... It was hard to tell where the lip was versus where Jerry was, right? That's even worse. If you're trying to make it look like he did, sure. that is actually worse to me. But I, I have to think uh, that Kelly and Josh Kerr and whoever else has served excuse me, that pool makes it look easy. I bet it's really, 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 really hard to get barreled on that wave. Bethany got barreled. Bethany got barreled. But Bethany is... 
Uh, she has <laughs> one less arm to stick in there. A. And B, uh, how did Bethany get barreled? Bethany got barreled she, on the right. No, she got she did, but she got barreled on the left, too. I specifically watched it for that purpose. See, maybe Jerry's just too old. He's not, though. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe he's, he's not old. getting barreled at this age anymore. I mean, and I'm sure he's getting barreled. If he if he went out to Pipeline, he'd get barreled, right? It's Jay, throwing. Or like uh, G-Land Sure, or something. it's throwing. Yeah. You know, you and just, it's overhead. Yeah, you position yourself, and it throws over you. Yeah. That wave, I'm sure... You have to work to get in that barrel, right? Like this thing is is churning along. the The plow is pushing it out, and so you would have to have again such like I think not instinct because Jerry would have instinct to get barreled. But I bet it's I bet it's counterintuitive, and it's something that Jerry. I bet I'm taking the opposite stance. I think Jerry's a yogi. He's the most flexible dude on the planet. You know, or that's an overstatement, but he's super flexible despite his age. And he's Mr. Pipeline. Like, he should have just been sitting in the barrel the entire... So, it's so, it's got to be the easiest wave to get barreled on in the world. You think so? I would think so. I bet it's not. I bet it's, re- I bet it's really counterintuitive. Huh. I bet you have to do things to get barreled that you don't do on a wave, and Jerry's an old dog and not learning that new trick. Okay. Here's my argument against that. Every single person who's ever surfed that wave got barreled on it. There's been nobody over... 30, except for Calais, nobody over 33 who surfed that wave. I'm calling him out. Jerry Lopez. Calling Jerry out. Yeah. Jerry, go back and get barreled. Yeah. I bet I bet it's counterintuitive. I bet if you and I rode that wave, uh, okay, how long did you think Jerry surfed it before they started turning the cameras on? I think they filmed all of it. Jerry, uh, how many days do you think he surfed? One day. I think it was a one-day shoot. Exactly. So I bet it's it's hard to figure out how to get barreled in that wave in one day. Okay, okay, except I'm, every I'm other person has. So. Because they're all young. Jerry's old. Jerry's, yeah, Jerry's that means he's got more experience than anybody. Sure, but Jerry has no experience of like surfing. Oh. Nobody has. other. Uh, every person that surfed it has no experience. That's true. But except for... The only argument you could make, I'm going to help you. Yeah, yeah. Is that it was the first time it's been a left. But then I say... But Absolutely then I, not. But, there was, there was, those technicians and the fact okay. that Jerry was the surf, first person to surf the left is, is not true. Right. Like, I guarantee not only did... I mean, Kelly may not have surfed it because his foot was broken, but for sure they were dialing it in and the technicians were surfing to make sure. They didn't, they didn't come out and turn it on and have Jerry, the greatest surfer alive, et cetera, et cetera, Mr. Pipeline, blah, blah, blah. They didn't throw him to the wolves like that. I just... I, my, that was my thought was like, well, it's the first time it's been a left, so maybe it... It's what you're saying, and it's actually counterintuitive, and it's harder to get barreled but on the yeah. left. Yeah, but then I'm wa- but I'm also looking at the wave barreling right behind him, sure. going, oh, "I'm pretty sure you could just stall." Okay. And then, sure enough, Bethany got barreled. But what if he didn't want to get barreled? Oh, <laughs> what if Jerry Lopez was having too much fun? He's like, "Yeah, you and your barrels, people. I've I've seen more barrels. I've been in more barrels than all of you combined." Uh, I don't have to go on the stinking barrel. It's your best argument yet. I'm going to sit here in the pocket where it's actually fun to surf. Like, in the barrel, those guys in the barrel, it seems like they're struggling to stay in the barrel, right? It's it's this balance. Sometimes. It's You're dragging. You're wedging yourself. Every every wave I've seen from Kelly, the Kelly Wave Pool, where people are getting barreled, it doesn't look like that's an enjoy. Like, Jerry's surf looked the most enjoyable of them all. And when it looked enjoyable was when he was going in kind of arcing swoops from bottom to top, right? Mm. That's when it looked fun. When he was like kind of pumping. But that's, and I'm sure that's when it would feel fun. I'm sure if you're in the barrel, just like uh, like holding on, grinding, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. Okay, I'm getting barreled. Plow's moving. I'm barreled. You would just feel like part of the machine. Uh, 
It took you a long time to get to this argument. But it's good. But it's the best one you've had yet. (laughs) (laughs) And I can relate it to, um, I love beer. But if I'm at a party and the only beer option is Bud Light, I'm not going to drink the beer. Really? I'll just drink water. That's true. So I think Jerry was like, dude, I've been barreled at G... I discovered G-Land, ostensibly. Yeah. I'm Mr. Pipeline. Pipeline. I get barreled on overhead waves if it's like a proper. Yeah, I don't. But I'm not going to like tuck into this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to cruise and flow and trim and stuff like that. See, that's so what that's happened. that's the argument. That's what happened. Jerry Lopez was not about to bend himself, bend his yogi body into an it's inland barrel. Too good barrel. for it. Yeah, so not we, inland though. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly Slater wave pole. Oh, did you say no, inland? In inland. Oh, that's oh. the thing about the inland. They really got the name. They it's did. Good. Uh, so okay, so title for this episode going up on beach grit yeah um kelly slater's wave pool is akin to bud light yeah there you go kelly's kelly's pool is bud light it's the, the bud, bud light, light of, of wave pools yeah. see okay is there uh going to be an overhead barreling pool yes eventually. who's I, I have no idea but eventually there has to be the, i mean is all they have to do get more water and a bigger plow yes that's the only thing i mean yes. you just get a eight foot or a 10 foot plow yeah i think this is obviously just proof of concept and then monetize it profit make it profitable and then you can dig in deeper here's the thing because riding an overhead barrel at that would be really fun right if you're a paying customer and they had a 20 foot plow dragging down the line creating a i mean i don't know how what the plow to wave ratio is but i'm sure it's a fixed thing so say you had this giant plow making a say 15 foot barrel right Cruising down the line, getting barreled would be super fun for the everyman. Uh, it would be horrible to watch pros do that because there would be no, I mean, unless they start doing flips in the barrel or something silly. It's, it, I agree with you, and it's kind of a question mark I have about this upcoming event that they're going to do in the wave pool in the next couple of weeks. Yep. Is Next couple of weeks, I think it's theoretically, the, it's like right around the corner, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Do they have a date on it yet? I think or? they do. I think, oh, they have, okay. I think they have an honest to goodness <laughs> Holding period. Okay. Waiting period. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Um, but that's my question, Mark, too, is just like, I don't think it's going to be that interesting. If, uh, did you watch the Red Bull one? The Yeah. Uh, no, the, I didn't. One, I Alba didn't one? watch it. I watched the highlights after the fact. Did you enjoy the highlights? Mm, not really, no. Yeah. I um, mean, I, again, for the novelty of it, I was kind of curious, but... Now that I know what it is, I wouldn't watch it again if they did another one. I'll be I'll be very curious at this first uh, event how you differentiate between the surfers. To be honest, like right. theoretically, they should all have the skill to get like ride the barrel the entire time, right? Like drop in, pull in the pocket, ride the entire time. They should all have the ability to do a big turn. Yeah. I think it's really hard to do airs on them those waves, right? Yeah, like the way it goes. It's so uh, you're limited to a variety of turns. Uh, mid-face wraps, whatever, right. and getting barreled. Um, so at the end, if they all have the same ability on the right. same wave, uh, does it become about who drew a more beautiful line? And then that'll be, or who like who made some poetry, who was just kind of herky-jerky going from one thing to the next versus who made a kind of comprehensive, coherent uh, dance on this wave? I don't follow the Olympics or... Um balance beam outside of the olympics or anything like that but i have a feeling there's a lot of parallels in gym gymnastics maybe you know except i feel that the gy- gymnasts have a uh, drastically different skill from Do each they? other i think one gymnast is is i think they're all good i think though in the tiers of being good 
like some are the point zero 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 one percent better than the other, yeah. which that's all the difference in the world, right? Somebody sticks a landing, somebody doesn't. The wave pool versus good surfers to me doesn't offer enough fudroom for having degree of difficulty mean See, anything, right? I think there's way more variation between Idolo Ferrer and Joel Parkinson than there is between gymnasts. So if those guys go in the wave pool, there is actually degrees of separation. See, I would I would disagree. I huh. bet I bet Idolo Ferrero and Joel or let's stick Idolo's goofy, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, exactly. so that's my point. Is Joel a goofy? No, come yeah. on. Dude. Uh, <laughs> Too much pick, to drink already. Let's pick two regular footers though. Okay, let's say let's say Felipe and Joel. How's that? Oh, I think Felipe would kill Joel on the wave pool. Felipe's unbeatable at the wave pool. Yeah. He's the best. If if you can actually do airs. I don't right. know that you can do airs. I think airs. he can do airs anywhere. Yeah, I mean he he could probably could Joel wouldn't do an air. Yeah. Uh but Idolo. Let's go Idolo and Joel again. Okay. <laughs> uh what's the question? The different the degree of separation yeah. is the degree of talent separation between Idolo and Joel greater than the the degree of difference between gymnasts at the Olympic level. Whom's names we don't know because we've never watched it. Exactly. Uh, but I'm going to say, yeah, I'll say the difference in skill between Joel and Idolo is greater, but I will say the playing field doesn't allow them to like doesn't allow them to figure out what those differences are. They'll exactly. basically look the same. Exactly. So, so that's why I'm questioning the validity of the wave sure, pool okay, for okay, competition, great. you know? Uh, but I do think, just for the record, Joel will smoke Idolo in the wave pool. Based on, like, his style and what he's good at, speed, power, and flow. Oh, but just think, I mean, just think how mind-numbing it would be to watch Joel go down the line and do wrapping carbs. On a wave. It, yeah, it would be. I don't want to necessarily see that. But here's what would be actually interesting is if they put Joel on the right and Idolo on the left. See, and that's to me, that's the fun of the wave pool. If they treat the wave pool like it's a wave and they treat the contest like it's a surf contest, then I think it'll be a failure of imagination. Right. What I would love if they had fun with it, right, initially in, in Mark 1, if you did that, if you made all the, all the regular foots go left, you made all the goofies go right yeah uh or what if, what if you did this what if you added an element of imperfection to the wave without telling the surfer what it would be so maybe like a rock on the bottom of the wave pool that creates something that they have to then respond to or even better a man with a giant stick who jumps out and tries to whack it. you off it yeah what? you can whack him off i mean i mean why not if it was joel parkinson he's a handsome man <laughs> he is a handsome man dude uh so um what you were saying, though, about why people don't ride uh, asymmetric, your question is, if it really is this much better, why hasn't everybody gotten on board and all totally. the pros and all that totally. stuff? The reason why I question that being a valid even question is look at everything that's ever come before us with technology, with sports, with um, the first example I can think of is the guy, again, Olympic example. The high jump, right? Sure. Everybody used to do the high jump. Jumping straight over. With their chest over the yep. bar. And then one guy realized Fosbury. doing it with his back over the bar, right? Yeah, the Fosbury flop. Exactly. Yep. And then now everybody can jump three feet higher into the air, whatever the separation sure. was, and it revolutionized the sport. But when he did it, people were like, why didn't everybody do that before? It just took one guy to do it. Sure. So Except that hasn't happened yet. But there's been a lot of asymmetrical boards like i've seen asymmetrical boards now in the marketplace for how long so you're in the carl ekstrom yeah 
got a patent for it. I think it was the early 80s, sure. like 82, 83. Patent. He got a patent what, for what, it. What specifically did he I don't even. I don't know, but that is a fact. Does, is a patent still... No, it expired. Okay. So now everybody can do asymmetric words. And they still were anyways. I guess... Okay, here's what... I guess... Pros, whatever. Pros, you go do your thing. I don't really care about what... I mean, I care about what you're doing, but in terms of how it relates to my own surfing, I couldn't care less. But if I'm going into a shop and there's an asymmetrical board and a traditional shortboard and the uh, shopkeeper says, okay, hey, here we have this. This will do this. Is, is that what it is? People don't want to take chances because the, the expenditure... They're spending 600 yeah, bucks. And that's, so it's, a, it's an expenditure... And there's like, too many variables there. And you and I are lucky that we get loaners. We are for sure. and But I also think that um, it's not, incumbent upon us having those loaners to then kind of shine the light, you know, point the direction. Just be like, hey, guys, this is my experience. Let's yeah. talk about it. And here's the direction. Which is, I mean, again, that's what my Beach Grit story was going to be. It's just an, a real honest analysis of the way I felt on it, which I've, I haven't felt this way on a surfboard in quite some time right. and that in and of itself uh is completely worth i think if you're gonna buy another surfboard if you have a couple traditional shortboards right now in your quiver you know that are between whatever like sure you don't need another one uh i have no idea why yeah everybody should buy an asymmetrical board i agree i think that it's also part of the conversation that People should be buying boards from shapers that they can have a conversation with, yeah. rather than going off the rack like you just talked about. But like, how many? I, th- I think there's still a degree of, and Matt at Album at least. I mean that that seemed like a super, you know, friendly environment where you could rock in yeah. and not get vibed out. I think a lot of people still get vibed out because they don't know, you know, they don't they know do. what they don't know what leaders what leaders are, and they don't know these things. They don't want to look like assholes in front of the cool guy yeah and so they just they'll just go buy one off the rack but i think you'll actually have more of that uh barrier of entry in the retail environment where you're not comfortable having the conversation with a sales clerk than you would if you just called up a shaper and been like hey i know nothing yeah here's what i here's where i surf and how i surf and my weight and my height can you talk me through it yeah i think shapers are more friendly in that you know conversation that's true um so, dude, we're 48 minutes into this show, Oops. and we need to move on in yeah. the notes. Sorry, sorry. So you can make it to your next meeting. You yeah, don't yeah. need to apologize. Yeah. But, no, uh, I'm apologizing to the fans. Oh, okay. I need to see your shoes. <laughs> Due um, diligence. What's yeah. the shoe conversation it, today? It's a, a St. Laurent. Uh, they, they stopped doing these, but when Hedy Slimane, the designer, got in, he basically ripped off a van. The brilliant part he about these off is, I mean, it's just a van vans. classic, right? Vans. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It looks like a van classic. Uh, Put it down so I can get a photo. The thing about it is, though, and here's... Do you wear Vans Classics? No. Um, why not? It's just not your shoe. It's just not my shoe, yeah. Okay. I so, look for comfort more than... Comfort and function more than aesthetic, and I'm those are like flat-footed, and I'm not sure that they're necessarily comfortable. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, we should... We, I mean, that's a longer discussion right okay. there. But I, I read... Have you, have you read the book, The World's Most Dangerous Places? No. It was a fantastic book. It was some, I don't even know what he was, some journalist or arms smuggler or something who uh, had been to a bunch of bad countries and then did a funny kind of Lonely Planet guide to the world's most dangerous places. So he, you know, would give them star. It was like you, they got skulls and then it moved up to something. So, you know, whatever. It's an older book now. I uh, did a couple iterations of it. But he in there, 
at some point, and I read this, I was probably fresh into college. So something that the, the Converse All-Star was the world's most perfect shoes. Like, you're going to go travel, everybody will get expensive hiking boots, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, Converse All-Star, he says, you don't want too much cushion, which, you know, makes sense, I think. Like, cushion, your feet, theoretically, provide the cushion that your body needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they dry, they're canvas, so they dry easily. Uh, they're easy. You can wash them, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. He, he made the argument for the canvas shoe being the world's most perfect shoe. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, he's, you know, for that kind of shoe, he's right. And so... I just didn't do the Converse All Star. I went for the Vans Classic, but it's it is a comfortable shoe. Okay, it's a great shoe. The problem is you wear it barefoot. Uh, you've got mm, maybe if you're lucky ten days before it smells so bad right. that you know it's it's like unbearable even to you. Like you're sitting on the airplane and you can smell your shoe right. wafting up, and it's unfortunate. So uh, Hedy Slaman at Saint Laurent figured out. What I'm going to do is make a Vans Classic, but line the entire interior with leather. So the entire what? thing, the entire thing is leather from the top to the bottom to every part of it. Uh, and so I wear these shoes. I've had these shoes for a good three years now. Wear them only barefoot. And I'm not sniffing no, it. No, don't you don't have to. Me. You don't have to sniff it. But you would know if I had been wearing a pair of Vans Classics for three years barefoot. It would be a it would be an abomination. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, it is a fascinating. Yeah, it's a good shoe. Okay, but you, but you can't get them anymore. Well, let's talk gotta, also gotta about the pattern. Day. The pattern looks like a traditional it's bandana. A, yeah, it's a. I think it's when Hedy Slaman, again French designer for Saint Laurent. He lives in LA. Has lived here for a while, and I think he went. He's super fascinated by California culture, and I think this is a, a nod to the Bloods. So it's like a Bloods. Crips, Bloods, Bloods bandana. So it's a bandana and it's yep. red. Yep. Red so. bandana. Hip, dude. Did you wear those for the show or were they just like... No, it's like totally, I show. totally forgot. Yeah, it was just... These are the... This is a common shoe. They're me. amazing. And yeah. of course, they're not tied. Um, Never. Looking good, dude. Thanks. I did have people comment. Uh, somebody sent me a direct message saying they don't tie their shoes anymore. Oh, yeah. Good. So, why? Why? Because you told them I know to. exactly. But why? Nobody should tie their shoes. What are you going to do with yeah. your tied shoes? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not wearing tied shoes. Yeah. I'm wearing sandals right <laughs> now. Um, that actually reminds me of Bobby Martinez, which did you see? Stab? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read it uh, yet. I saw it and I saw the pull quote. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't read it. So basically, Beach Grit reported this as well. Uh, Derek reported this on Beach Grit as well. Like the WSLs potentially going to lay out a brand new format for 2018. Yep. This is good to talk about. Yeah. And this is I, what I was most excited to talk about. Quite is frankly, it really? Today. I was yeah. actually not going to talk about it. Oh, what I was, this is, this is what I came here to talk about. Oh, today. okay. All right, yeah. cool. Let's do it then. Um, I need to give credit to my other co-host of spit podcast, Scott Bass, who has actually been championing these changes for years yeah, yeah, yeah. and like literally for years. And he does it all the time. And he's like, shorter windows like shorter waiting periods fewer surfers so that we don't have to it'll be less expense for the wsl so they're not sending everybody across the world for two weeks at a time and uh and by the way i don't want to watch kayot and surf or i mean kayon's not on tour anymore so i don't want to watch adam melling surf Stu kennedy surf unless it's snapper but like i only want to watch the best guys surf so how do we do that well uh fewer guys on that run on one swell instead of multiple swells and you know better 
surf spots. We don't need to go to Brazil. We sure. don't need to go to where. So um, anyway, the WSL is instituting some of these changes. We could talk about those changes. I do want to talk about Bobby Martinez really quickly. Um, Bobby doesn't provide anything of interest for me at this point at no. all in terms of what he says. I don't know why anybody's interested in interviewing him. Like, there's an element of sensationalism that appeals to me, and his surfing is still phenomenal. There's some recent footage of him, and he's in the new film, Snapped 3. Uh, but it's like I read through everything he says and just go, uh, not only was that not insightful, it was actually pretty dumb. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's what I think about Bob Martinez. Is Bob. Bob. Uh, Bob is the temperature of... of truly the lack of personality in in professional surfing, right? The fact that he's the go-to when it's time, be, just because when? 2011, right? So six years ago. It's 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six years ago. Six fucking years ago, he said in an interview, uh, fuck this tennis tour, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Six years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. That's six years ago. Yep. He said that. That was the most interesting thing that's happened on a surfing podium ever. Uh, not ever, but at least in the last six years. Yeah. And so people keep going back to Bobby Martinez for uh, more like when the WSL does something or changes something or anything because it's the only fucking interesting, interesting thing that ha- that's happened, which is I hope the WSL, again, back to our point earlier, uh, whoever wrote in about you know yeah. where where are the personalities? Bruce from Austin, Texas. Bruce from Austin, te- Texas. Bruce, you ha- you made a one hundred percent valuable point, and that's why Bobby Martinez. The only reason he matters is because the WSL has done a very very poor job of pushing personalities, and by popping off on the mic, it looked for one minute like he had a person. Excuse me, personality. I, yeah, and I think he does have a personality. Sure, sure. I just doesn't have any insight. No, and, and so it's and, nothing but, against Bobby. It's just, but that's the lie. Who else? Who do you want to hear from? Who else do you want to hear from? That's the problem. Who's well, gonna, that, that's the problem. Is that there's a lot of people on the tour that I would love to hear from, but they can't talk about and, it. Yeah, precisely. Who would who would feel open enough without getting fined or loser spot or exactly. whatever or whatever? Uh, and and so that's so Bobby is this real easy thing to go yeah. back to. Or, and, and it's going to get people are going to click. I sure. clicked. You click, even though you, I know I don't care what he has to say. Sure. I clicked. You click, and you get the you get to put the, you know uh, Todd Klein Todd Klein's face in that interview with Bobby is worth seeing about a thousand times, and so it always gives you a reason to put that video clip. You know what? Yeah, fuck exactly. this tennis tour, and you get to see Todd Klein there biting his bottom lip, yeah. smile with his goofy smile, and it's it's a brilliant moment. But the fact that that is the only brilliant moment in the la- the only brilliant. Uh, post heat moment in the last six years is is just a real bummer. It is. So um, I'd be curious to know. Do you remember a follow up video that came out after that where Bobby was playing tennis? Yes. Yeah. I shot that video. Really? And edited it. Of course, I remember that video. Awesome. That's totally great. <laughs> so yeah. I Todd called me up. Todd Klein called me up like the the night before, and he's like, yeah. "Dude, I got this idea." Because Todd was with Quicksilver at the yeah. time. He's like, "I got this idea." Let's drive up tomorrow to Santa Barbara. Are you free? It's a Sunday. Like, let's do this. I got Bobby. He's in. We're going to do it on a tennis court. And Todd had the whole concept. And I'm like, all right, I'll clear my schedule. Let's do it. So we drove up there. Listen to, speaking of XM radio, I remember specifically, we listened to 
his XM radio Pearl Jam station Amazing. the entire time. Yeah. It was Pearl, Pearl Jam, Jam the whole the way entire. there and the whole way back. And I was like, you know what? I don't mind Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam has some deep cuts. Yeah, dude, Pearl that are Jam pretty has good. Deep cuts that are better than they get the, a whole, they get a whole XM station that and you can they on do. like yeah I would make fun of it and, except you can kind of enjoy the Pearl. Jam well, station. it was way better than Jeremy and oh, yeah. Even Flow yeah. and like I mean have you heard Corduroy yeah, of Vitology? Of Corduroy is one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. The Jam, oh. dude, and I think their um, documentary had just come out. It was yeah. called Twenty. Anyway. So yeah, I shot that video and edited it, and then like he posted it on Quicksilver's thing, they got super upset with him and took it down for a day or two, and it went back up. But anyway, so I've spent that amount of time with Bobby, super nice guy. Sure, like we had a blast together. I have no criticism about Bobby himself, but I read his stuff. What was embarrassing to me was Stab posted that article, and the very first question was, "Hey Bobby, did you see these changes that are happening with the WSL?" And Bobby's like. No, I saw a headline, but no, I didn't read it. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, then we paused the interview, sent in the article, he read through it, and then we continued the conversation. Yeah. I'm like, Bobby doesn't even care. Bobby doesn't care. That's the thing, though. Bobby doesn't follow professional surfing. So then how much insight are you going to get out of him when he just skimmed your article real quickly so that you could continue the phone conversation? Zero. I mean, Bobby's, Bobby's like, again, you get to replay that original video. That's what you get by going to Bobby. And, you know, I, I mean... Frankly, you know who would be more interesting to talk to about this, and I'm going to do this when I get home, maybe, mm. uh, is Noah Dean. Mm. Like, it'd be fun to talk to Noah Dean, who the latest to say, fuck the WSL, uh, what he thinks about these changes, right? Because mm. Noah Dean, I'm sure, not only is he more relevant than Bobby in you know today's game, um, he was the last one to pop off at the WSL. So it'd be, f- it'd be more fun or more at least insightful. And if Noah Dean said, well, I don't know what they're doing, uh, then, then the WSL, yeah, kind well, of problem. So I thought at that point, when I read that in Bobby's interview, like, well, they should just scrap this interview. Like, don't post it. If Bobby doesn't have thoughts on it, or if he doesn't actually, if he didn't read it on his own, scrap it. I mean, But, but it, they, they made something out of nothing. And then I read all of Bobby's stuff, and I was just like, well, this actually just kind of makes Bobby look uninformed and yeah, not d- that smart. Yeah, and, I mean, it just makes Bobby look a little sour grapesy when Always. Yeah, dude, which always. is that's part of Bobby's persona, I think, totally. is to be sour grapes about that. Which I don't know how much of that is uh, interviewers kind of pulling that out of him, the sour grapes stuff. Because I, I would imagine Bobby, honestly, at this point, doesn't care. If he still cares. He doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's getting paid whatever he's getting paid by Monster. It's probably <laughs> that's not all much. That's all it is at this and, point. Yeah. And I mean, Bobby, even if he had stayed uh, on tour and all that, would be in the total twilight of his career right now, no matter what, just yeah. age wise. He's in the twilight of his career, no matter what he did. So going to him as like the prophet for. Because what he was saying, his what he was saying was wrong uh, with the WSL back then was not at all what was wrong with the WSL or back then it was the ASP. Like Bobby was angry about very specific like union worker points, right? Totally. It was about like they this is not fair to the union workers, the union worker professional surfer because people were going to get lopped off. That's what he was mad about, which is exactly what's happening now. Is people are going to get lopped off. That lopping people off tour for the consumer is not the problem with the WSL. Right. From Bobby's perspective, as Mr. Union Man, Mr. AFL-CIO, uh, it was to protect people's careers, surfers' careers. Yeah. I do not care about Stuart Melling. Is that his name? Am I mixing both of them? Stuart you are. Kennedy. They are the same or guy. Adam Melling. I don't care about either of their career or I don't care about their earning potential. I don't care about any of it. Uh, 
A, because I'm an asshole. B, because they just don't interest me, right? And I believe in Darwinism in in the sense that, like, only the strong survive, buddy. Sure. Like, if you're not surfing as good... Adam Melling, who is a miniature Mick Fanning, he surfs exactly the same, but a lesser version of... We already have Mick Fanning. Totally. So go away. Don't need Melling. See, and here's the thing, though. Again, with Bobby, I think everybody confused Bobby's fuck the WSL, or I'm sorry, fuck the ASP uh, rant on that it's not interesting. That was had nothing to do with this rant. It wasn't that it was too long. It wasn't that it was not interesting. It wasn't that they were surfing in bad waves. It wasn't any of that. It was that they were cutting. They weren't allowing the uh, QS guys to come in like they once had or whatever. Because they, they, they were doing were, the mid-season yeah, rotation. They were sloughing, sloughing off right. CT guys. And Bobby, as Mr. Union president, didn't like to see that happen totally rightfully for his position and who you know he was protecting both his his job for, for you know uh and the jobs of his friends yeah. right but it has nothing to do with why what the problem the fundamental problem with the asp was which again they're trying to uh fix again except you want to know something yes i disagree with many of the changes okay yeah, let's talk about it. You said you wanted to talk about the changes, which, by the way, are just speculative. Sure, sure. This was one article. I don't know where Derek got his information I from. Think it's, I think so. Because uh, Derek seems like it came before Stabs came. Derek's came before Stabs. Yeah. We had a bad, I think, a bad-ish headline where it kind of buried the lead on okay. the headline. But, um, yeah, uh, what they, I think the WSL, from my understanding, had a meeting with the surfers, mm-hmm. uh, and they explained to the surfers possibilities of how the tour will look moving forward. I don't think any of them are set in stone. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them, the wheels are moving to make this. I think they know they need to not only shorten, I think shortening the waiting, shortening uh, the amount of time you surf, basically getting into one swell window Yeah, exactly. is important for the WCL where they're, but here's the thing. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that that's going to make surfing better, to be honest with you. I think that where does swell, how many, and I've been, I'm going to totally argue what I've, well, the opposite side that I've been arguing for the last two years. We are years complex probably. human beings, we are, Chaz. We're, like, we're, we're allowed to have changing. I've, I've and evolved. also, my opinion has evolved. Opposing sure. points. My, my opinion has evolved on this matter. Uh, how many places do the, do the swells actually, like, uh, where you honestly have one swell and that's it. I mean, everywhere in the world gets one swell. Sure, but they. But, but oh, you mean like where it's like a cross-up swell of like? No, I'm saying like a okay, like look two at, swells at once. Look or? at look at J Bay this year, yeah. right? Uh, it was how long do the events go now? Well, there's a two week waiting period. Sure, and they they often time well the the length required to run the event is like three and a half days for yeah. the men's side of the tour. So you need more than one swell to run the event. Totally. Which, okay. So You're I, hoping that the swells align so you can run it in three or four days straight. And I guess my point on this is I oddly kind of want Adam Elling to be there to get chewed up and spat out. I don't want no losers rounds. I want every round. Amount, I want Adam Elling, quite frankly, to be able to beat Mick Fanning. Uh, because Mick Fanning was having a shocker, who cares, whatever whatever the reason. Uh, I want those loser guys to actually be able to beat the winners. And that's really hard when you have how many no losers? They have two no losers rounds. Right. They have round two and round... Round three and round five. five. No. 
Shoot. Round one and round four. Round one and four. Exactly. Two no losers rounds. Are you kidding me? Where everybody surfs. uh, You can lose in the event twice. You can lose twice and win. Yeah. Which is asinine. Take that away. Yeah. Keep it to be. Okay. So the problem is, here's the problem. Ready for the problem? Yeah. I was thinking about this a lot today. Uh, The problem is, do you watch Street League Skateboarding? Mm-mm. What Street League Skateboarding did, street, street League Skateboarding is skateboarding's kind of, you know, de facto tour just because nobody else is doing anything. I don't think it's recognized. It's not like the WSL and that, that that's legitimately the world champion. Skateboarding, I don't think, cares as much about a tour and all that. Uh, street League filled in this blank. said, okay, we will be the tour and champion themselves as the tour, but I don't know that skateboarders necessarily feel that, oh, yeah, this guy is the champion mm-hmm. skateboarder. All to say, they thought, okay, let's take the best skaters in the world and have them skate in a one-day event, right? Which is basically kind of what I think people think they want with WSL. Uh, not only one day, a three-hour event like a, or a you know two-and-a-half-hour uh, cut-for-television event. So uh, in the final, they have an un-kind-of-aired prelim thing i don't i think there's like 15 skaters or something that skate in that but the final i think is eight skaters so they take the best eight theoretically the the best eight skateboarders in the world and it couldn't be more boring uh and when you look at and it's the best it's the eight best it's like if you took the eight if you had john john who would the eight best surfers in the world be right now let's say john john felipe felipe jordy jordy julian julian kelly kelly even though he's like 20 something and hurt um Gabriel Medina. Gabe. How many do we got? So we got six. <laughs> Give me two more. Can we do the six best? Okay, let's do the six best surfers. Same to You would get, I think, so bored. Like, you need the Mellings. You need the Kennedys. Even though I make fun of them, somehow you need these guys to make the other guys more interesting, right? You need a little bit of a longer. Surfing needs to breathe a little more. If you compact it too much, I think you lose any kind of draw of like momentum forward. I think they need to keep the surfers. They need to make it a three day event. Like you can't, you can't have it a three and a half day event, lose the fucking waiting period or the, uh, the fucking, uh, no losers rounds. Right. And keep it at around 30 surfers and just chew through them where, and, and and then you have drama, right? The bottom guy could actually knock the top guy out. Rarely though. Rarely though. But I mean, Keanu was saying one France last year. Sure. But that's it. Like it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen that often, but if there's a, with and no, nobody cares, can you remember one wave that Keanu surfed in France last year? Of course not. Of course not. But, but when I'm watching the heat in the moment, I want Keanu, Keanu to beat Jordy, right? Purely for drama. Purely yeah. for your, I think most in Australia and America at least, I think most uh, sporting fans have the underdog, you know, sure. thing. Always. Where of course you don't want to watch fucking Keanu Singh win an event. You don't want to watch him surf every time. But oddly, as the heats go heat by heat, generally you cheer for the underdog. Or if you don't yeah. have a real rooting interest in the thing, of course. Uh, which all of a sudden, when you knock out the no losers, and I know why they put them in there, right? You want to yeah. watch your best surf, favorite surfer continue. Or also, to surf. there's so many variables in surfing that you you might just not get a wave. You could be the best surfer in the world, and you don't get the wave. Right. So they're making accommodation for sure. that with the no losers round. Shouldn't be accommodation for that. I agree. It should be. It would totally be, agree. It would be way funner to watch John John get skunked than to watch John John lose twice and win. 
Well, I, I totally agree with that. By the way, uh, surfer number seven and eight on your top eight list yeah. would be Matt Wilkinson and Owen Wright. Matt, Matt Wilkinson right? doesn't count, and Owen Wright doesn't count either. <laughs> okay. So um, I agree with everything you're saying. I think there's a middle ground. I don't think it needs to be six or eight surfers, and I don't think it needs to be 32. I think it needs to be 16. But so you have the wild cards in that top 16 okay. still, but it's not... It is boring right now. It is yeah. boring, and the waiting period is too long. And I think maybe this is all instituted by Sophie. Maybe this was in place before Sophie. But the reality is their bottom line, their expenses are just too high. Except that the thing is, I think it costs – here's the thing, right? It costs $1 to $2 million to run one of those events. It doesn't cost less if you run it shorter. You're still it's – the, it's the setup. It's the – it's the like it's all the costs associated. You're not paying X amount a day that you're going over. Like that's all totally negligible, right? These things are the cost of them is set. So all you're doing by if say you were going to do it into a one day, uh, all you do is lose your build up and your like your your pump up time, right? Yes and you're no. Still, I think I, I think bucks. additionally you're losing audience. By dragging out the two-week waiting period because you and I are the only guys who are going to wake up every morning to see Dawn Patrol, whether they ran or not. I mean, you and I, meaning you and I and all the listeners who are listening, but the vast majority of the public will not do that. But they would tune in for three days. I don't think so. You don't think think so? I think that there's enough. Here's the thing. I think that uh, the surf industry has left the actual surf fan and left him a long time ago. In or left her a long time ago, in search of the mythical non-endemic unicorn, the person who's going to buy the clothes, watch the stuff, consume the product, and not surf, and they've been chasing that nut yeah. forever. I think they should peel it back and say, "Okay, stinking surf splendor listener, you are basically all we have in this entire thing." And there's how many? 100,000. Not surf splendor, splendor listeners, but how many core, core surfers? surfers? 100,000 in the States? <laughs> Dude, I have no idea. Let's say it's not a lot. Let's not say, enough to make it profitable. Ooh, are you sure? What if it was enough to make it profitable? Like, it's not a. What if. It, if what they if, charged us each 60 bucks a year to, like, view their events, maybe it would be. But. Not enough to make it profitable. If they're then earning their income off of advertisers, and those advertisers are surf brands, I'm not buying surf brand clothing. When See, was the okay. last time you bought? So I'm starting again. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't want to buy. You know, I don't know. Uh, there's something about. I think. I feel that. Am I going to really buy surf clothes? Do you though? Is the question? When was the last? Yeah, I went. I bought a pair of Dahui trunks. And, at Costco? Uh, I saw no. them at Costco. Yeah, totally. So here's the funny thing. Uh, this was, I think I was at Surfing Magazine, and it was like, oh, whatever. I thought, I, I thought, okay, fuck all you people. You know, everybody in the surf industry loves how they don't wear surf clothes, right? I mean, nobody wears it. And people, in my experience, people love how to talk, love to talk about how they don't wear stuff. And I finally got to the point where I'm fed up and like, you know, I'm. Um, oh, I am. I'm wearing something kind of surfy. But, uh, I don't even know what that is. It's Kasubi, so it's not really. It's uh, like a spray. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. 
your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. But uh, with the Dahui thing, so it was like a, oh, they were doing board short week or something silly at surfing, right? So I said, I'm going to go on and buy a pair of Dahui trunks full retail. So I found some full retail somewhere. I bought them. Uh, I emailed Eddie Rothman, founder, co-founder of Dahui, and said, hey, Eddie, I bought a pair of your trunks. And he said, where'd you fucking buy them? And I said, oh, I bought them, whatever it was. I can't, it was some online surf shop thing. And he said, how much you pay? And I said, oh, and I thought he was going to be proud of me. And I said, I paid full retail. It was like 52 bucks or something. He said, you paid fucking what? Those fuckers. Dude, you should go to Costco and get them. They're 14 fucking bucks there. Eddie was pushing me to Costco to get the Huey board short because they were cheaper at Costco than they were at wherever. And he was he was going to hunt down the people selling them for 50 bucks and knock them on the head. I thought he was a capitalist no. based on what I know about him. Eddie is a, a bleeding heart surf socialist. Wow. Yeah. What did I know? Uh, well, there's breaking news here. But, but I'll say, though... So the WSL profitability and... I think that all I know is... I don't, I don't really know what the truth is. What I know is that the core surfer has not been serviced for Agreed. 15 years, 20 years. Agreed. And that's all I care about. That's all I care about at Beach Grit. Uh, that's all I care about here. That's all I care about as a surfer. I don't care to bring the non-endemic unicorn to Beach Grit. I don't care if our numbers are 18 million people coming to Beach Grit every day if you know 17 and a half million of those are not surfers because right. that's not – I'd rather have a neat, tidy – if we can make it a business, a neat, tidy little business that actually matters, right? Yeah. That actually – whether there are 100,000 core surfers in the, in the United States or a million in the world or whatever that number is, I feel there's enough to – as long as you're not greedy, to both make a good product for, to inspire, uh, to actually give them something they want – um, and this is what I think the WSL needs to do. I think the WSL needs to worry about where they're going to make their money later. 
and first just see if they can make something that the core surfer likes, which back to Austin from Austin. What's his name? Bob from Austin. <laughs> Bruce. Bruce from Austin. Uh, Bruce is getting so much love this show. Bruce is getting love because Bruce had had a good point, right? If the WSL cared about Bruce, then they would have shows that were more, you know, the, yeah, were yeah. more edgy, were more gossipy and stuff like that, which would, again, I don't know that mom from Chicago watches that show, but yeah. Bruce from Austin would. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying uh, about the ASP and now the WSL hasn't been servicing the core surf community and not even trying to. I agree. They've been trying to leap that chasm sure. into like, and, and that's Bobby Martinez's, by the way, that's his whole rant on Stab's article was like, they keep trying to make it again, quote, the tennis tour. Um, and it's just not that. And he gives a story about surfing the U S open and his homies quote from Santa Barbara came down and watched him surf and goes, hey, man, all you guys do the exact same thing on every wave. Yeah. And Bobby said, you know what? Yeah. You're right. And Bobby, of course, knows that we're not doing the same thing on every wave. But he said, for everybody viewing this other than us. That's how it looks. It looks like we're all doing the same yeah. thing. And I will tell you for a fact, like my dad, whoever, can't tell the difference between Coco Ho doing a top turn at lowers and Kelly Slater doing a top turn sure. at lowers. Looks exactly the same. Sure. So... The WSL, if they want to really pander to that broad market, it needs to be the Big Wave World Tour or something like that where it's just guys riding mountains, you know? Except, I don't know. I think there's a way because everything started somewhere, right? Like tennis is yeah. – I mean, I mean, talk about tennis. Like tennis at least is objective, right? There's no judge. I mean, there's a line judge or whatever. But it's you actually score points by making it in or out, um, etc. So it's a lot easier. But like – you have a core tennis player who understands all the nuance, and then you have somebody who tunes in for Roger Federer, and then you can you can spread it out, and then you can get this bigger audience, right? I feel surfing theoretically could do that too. The only problem is they haven't, and again, and not only the ASP, WSL, but I'm talking about Billabong and Quicksilver and all the brands too. They haven't been making stuff for surfers for 20 years. Nobody, everybody's take taken the core surfer the guy who actually wakes up in the morning you know drives down to the beach looks at the waves goes surfing been taking that guy for granted for 20 years that that guy is going to somehow consume what they produce uh that guy has stopped consuming the surf brands which is i think why they've all gone bankrupt right you're talking about me by the way i surfed this morning i was done I was at Costco or at the grocery store by eight. Yeah. Costco after that. Trader Joe's. Like I was done by eight. Sure. And yeah, I don't buy their clothing. Totally. I don't wear their wetsuits. Totally. I don't buy any of that. I stuff. mean, they're they're done. I think the surf the big surf industry. I think there's smaller brands that are going to come up and actually start yeah. to hit you again because you're going to be excited about a super warm wet, wetsuit that's you know you'd even be happy to pay I'm sure a lot of money for a wetsuit that is both warmer and more flexible. I right? would. By the way, for the record. Need Essentials, yeah. which you guys did an article yeah. about. I was going to chime in in the comment section, and I just didn't. But um, that's what I wear. They're yeah. amazing, dude. The fantastic wetsuits are suit. super cheap, yep. fantastic, yep. as good quality as Patagonia suits I've owned that were four times as expensive. Sure. I mean, and there's Independent Surf Co., which is another amazing wetsuit, right? I mean, there's I a bu- yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of these kind of boutique wetsuit companies coming up now that actually make a product for the core surfer because Ex- that's because exactly no non-surfer is going to buy a wetsuit, right? Right. And you can make a neat, tidy little business. So I think when... You're with, right. So with, I agree with that point. With the, de- sure. with the death of the big brands, and again, did you 
Breed yesterday. You didn't go to Beach Creek yesterday. I threw a five banger up yesterday. Five stories. Tell me the article. One of the stories was that Rip Curl, yes. Quicksilver, and Billabong are going to become the same company. Yes. Uh, which is a rumor, but I think it's I think there's truth to it in that. Well, because the oak tree, yeah, the investment, yeah. the venture capital that's involved in Billabong and Quicksilver is going to roll up potentially could. Yeah, could, and then all of a sudden, you know, from their perspective, you have the three remaining iconic surf brands, and you have their forward facing, consumer facing side different, but you have you know one distribution model, and I, I'm. I'm seeing how they think that makes sense. And again, if you can sell those brands, Quicksilver, Rip Curl, Rip Curl still makes fantastic wetsuits. But in terms of their clothing, if you could tell sell their software to you know um, Amazon or wherever that stuff is selling now, good on you, right? But no surfer is going and buying a Quicksilver T-shirt. God bless Quicksilver. No surfer is buying Billabong trunks. I don't think. I mean, maybe some are, but I I don't know any. Uh, Surfers are still buying stuff though, and it's just it's small, uh, kind of nimble brands that I think are finally coming back to service the core of the market. And I think the WSL should take a hard look at okay, let's make a product that the core. Let's do a fucking panel of core surfers of like surfer surfers, right? Uh, who are not watching WSL? Let's ask why they're not watching. Let's put you know do if you're going to focus group, don't focus group guy in Minneapolis focus group a real surfer why aren't you watching what do you want to see is it too long because maybe it's not too long right to that guy maybe that guy like a podcast can never be how long are we at right now (laughs) an hour and 20 minutes amazing as a podcast can never be too long maybe professional surfing contests can't really be too long either it's just what we're seeing is not right and the interstitial stuff isn't entertaining enough right it isn't like that's true the between the while we're waiting for them to catch precisely, a wave. precisely while we're waiting for them to catch a wave, we're not being entertained, and maybe that's the problem. Well, so I think that Quicksilver. I mean, maybe I don't need to even explain this, but like Quicksilver, kind of outgrows. They grow to a point where the core community can't actually make them profitable. Sure. If, if they sold everything to the core community, they're not going to make enough money. So they start selling to everybody in the Midwest and leveraging their core. Like we still have Dane Reynolds and he's core. Yeah. So we will then use that and market it to the Midwest to sell to them. And then they create an offshoot brand, Summer Teeth for sure. Dane Reynolds. And then that'll service the core community while we sell Quicksilver at large to the middle America. Um, so I think like Oak Tree and all that, they're not concerned about the core anymore. It makes room for new companies to pop in like Former to service the core community. Um, where I'm spending my money, I look at Former and obviously I'm not the demographic that they're even trying to sell to. But like I bought something from Patagonia recently. Yeah. You know, it's like Patagonia for me is they've done a phenomenal job of doing both things. Sure. They've grown to a point where they could service everybody, but they're still core. More importantly, I believe in the ethos of the company. And, and Patagonia, I think, at this point, where did I read it? Well, it might have been Stab, too. Stab's had some bangers lately. Uh, <laughs> Ashton Goggins doing real good. They have a new editor-in-chief. Ashton? But yeah. he's still writing for Surfer. Too. No, no, he's done. He's the editor-in-chief of Stab. I know, but there was an article on Surfer this last month. Oh, I mean, wrote. it would have been, yeah, He, I think he just left. Okay. So, yeah, it's all very recent. But, yeah, Ashton has really Stab. I've got nothing but positive things to say about Stab magazine. Uh, but I think it was on Stab, in any case, uh, where, who was it? It was Bobby, again? Somebody. Somebody was talking about the 
about who fucking was it? Well, we'll find it later. But yeah. it was talking about the uh, core or you know the big five or big three or whatever surf brands left that none of them have any family involved. Yeah, uh, and it and Patagonia does. It's you know Fletcher whatever. I did read that. Yeah, who was that? It was somebody t- who mattered talking yeah, about yeah, it. And yeah. I think it was that. But anyway, like you know Patagonia. It was Maurice Cole. It was Mo chiming Cole. in. On yeah. a Beach Grid article. Oh, was it Beach Grid? I thought so. It probably was. It's a better place to be. Yeah. I- uh, <laughs> but yeah, whatever Whatever the case, Patagonia is a family company, right? And that's awesome. Like when you're not trying to – it's great. If you can make your millions of dollars, if you're you know, Woolly, uh, Woolcott from Volcom, and you can go out and sell – you know, make millions of dollars. For, what was it? Forty mil, something that it crazy. Sold twice. Yeah. I mean, he did it twice, yeah. right? Because they took it public and then they sold to Caring Group, and so he doubled down. Brilliant, awesome. You know, sell and get out, and like my cap is tipped to you. But it's the ones that kind of try to do stay in and be out. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, again, and I think in the surf industry now there's amazing brands coming up that are fun that are making stuff it's a bunch of surfboard shapers right who are, i mean from matt from album surf which like beautiful shop beautiful boards he's making a living you know maybe not just from that but he's making a living partially from doing that mm-hmm. there's money to be made in this it just maybe isn't millions of dollars anymore maybe. no but again like we talked about on the previous episode a thousand true fans you know what i that's mean it. That's, that's it that's what you need you don't need, and it's the same thing goes on TV. By the way, yeah. whatever the girls or whatever the big popular show is on TV, does not have the market share that Love Boat had. Yeah. But the fan base is rapid. loves it totally. way more, and it's actually it, so. I, I completely agree that that is true. By the way, on your watch, are you? Do you have to rush out of here? I no, got no. a lot more to talk about. No, yeah, I'm good. Okay, let I'm me know good. when you got to go. Yeah, yeah, I've got a bunch of topics, and we can continue on that same one. I wanted to actually segue into, um, I don't know, there's like this kind of ongoing theme just with social media warrior you talked about recently on Beach Grit and Bobby kind of getting out there and saying what he wants and like everybody gets riled up and it's sensationalist journalism. And let's talk about the word racist real quick. Yeah, let's. You are a linguist. Yep. Words matter. Words, they don't matter. That's the, they that's don't what, or they do? They don't. That's what you learn as a linguist. Oh, Every, man. I, I interpreted that conversation entirely incorrectly. Oh, yeah. Everything everything is malleable. Everything's in English. Words matter in other languages. In English, everything is play. What's your um, educational background, just for the record? It's amazingly poor. Uh, I got my undergraduate Perfect. degree in intercultural studies and my graduate degree in applied linguistics. So is that a master's degree? Master's degree in applied, applied linguistics. linguistics. Yeah. So a linguist. I'm a linguist. All right, perfect. Yeah. Um, applied linguist. It's okay. Different. It's cheap. So you publicly shamed Surfer Magazine for the caption they wrote. Um, oh, yeah. That was good. Do you like that? Well, I'm going to tell you. got three stories out of it. I'm going to tell you what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got criticized for making three stories uh, out of it. I, just, I love that. Any story I can turn to three. Yeah. It was an article um, that they wrote about Nigeria, surfing in Nigeria, and they wrote their... Um, social media you know guy wrote a caption to advertise the article he wrote the caption on instagram and the offending line was quote the country of nigeria has always been synonymous with the darker parts of humanity the darker parts of humanity right nigeria and africa 
End quote. Yep. Darker. So you wrote an article and said, quote, sometimes our words are just racist and wildly inappropriate all by themselves. You writing that article, Surfer Magazine actually deleted the original post and then reposted the image with a new caption that said, quote, on paper, Nigeria is synonymous with militant conflict, terrorism, and kidnappings. Which was even worse, I thought. <laughs> but a small coast village is trying to change these perceptions one wave at a time. And then they finish their caption with, quote, We apologize for the poor choice, poor choice of words used to describe this story in an earlier post. End quote. Yeah. So you're calling them racist for even writing that. Sure, sure. You think the second one's worse than the first. The second one's worse than the first. Defend yourself. Uh... I mean, the first one, I'm, I won't call them racist. That was definitely a... You did, though. It was a racist post. I okay. don't think the person writing it was a racist, nor do I think anybody at Surfer Magazine, for sure, I mean, who knows, but I would, ima- I would imagine are not racists. But that was undeniably a racist thing to say. To call Africa... To say Nigeria or Africa or whatever they say in the first one is associated with the darker parts of humanity is like... It's either racist, again, what I said, racist or wildly insensitive. Like, just silly. It's a silly, silly meaning, thing to write. Meaning dark, the word darker parts of human darker is associated with their skin tone? Is that's, that what? Because that's the only thing as far as, so they back it up, Nigeria, right? The, yeah. This place is Nigeria. Nigeria is the most robust economy in Africa. It's actually the African country. You know, it's really, of course, they have problems like any country has problems. Uh, and, you know, arguably some would say, you know, oh, they have corruption or whatever. But, you know, who who doesn't, quite frankly? Um, Nigeria is not that bad a place. Uh, and so to paint the whole country, first to say it's the darker parts of humanity, which, again, Nigeria doesn't have specific things in its history like um, slavery or I don't I don't know what that was supposed to be referring to. And then when they... Uh, later, surfer, you know, in the second post, when they tried to, uh, you know, reword it with what, yeah. with terrorism, or what do they say? Militant conflict, terrorism, and kidnapping. That's that's not what Nigeria is primarily known for. Yeah. And so, to paint the country with with that brush, like the, an entire country with a long history, right? Nigeria is. I mean, I think if I'm correct, uh, I think it's been argued that. Civilization started in Nigeria, right? Oh, I yeah. Didn't know that. I mean, yeah. yeah, like it's, it has ancient, ancient history, all the way up to you know some whatever, like like anything, problems with industrialization, industrialization, blah 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 blah. But to p- paint it so quickly with that brush yeah. is was to me like abs an absolutely silly thing to do. Darker parts of humanity was bad. Militant conflict, etc., 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 was way worse. Yeah. Uh, See, I'm taking umbrage. I feel like your article saying that it was racist was just as bad as the original post was where it's like i didn't the darker parts of humanity i did not read it all in association to their skin tone what did and i don't think to? that the writer like i think it was definitely a mischaracterization and a misunderstanding or a just ignorance about what nigeria is known for sure. so maybe they just thought like oh there is Political corruption and militant sure, whatever but the, but the, in Africa at large. Exactly. But so that, I'm going to apply that to Nigeria. And so I think that was a misstep and obviously mischaracterization. I don't think it was racist. But that's to me, sure, to, to 
to think of when you think of Africa without any background knowledge, right? I'm sure exactly the writer had no previous experience in Africa, had no understanding of Africa, sure. has no has never looked at Africa other than from my you know perspective. And again, I'm not talking about like weird white privilege, whatever. But like it was just it was a very ignorant thing to say uh, about a place that he it was it was. Yeah, it, by ignorant, I mean very thoughtless thing to say. Of course. And maybe he heard something negative about the Congo at some sure. point and then just Thought, applied oh, that. Nigeria. So I agree with you. It was poorly worded yep. and definitely a mischaracterization, but I didn't find it racist at all. And like applying the word darker parts of humanity to the skin tone, I was like, I don't, definitely the writer didn't mean that. Sure, but that's the only and way I don't to think take the it. The magazine meant that. No, it's not the only way to take it. I didn't take it that way at all. I just thought the Congo thing, you know what I mean? Then you're more racist. Mischaracter- then no, you're, you're more, more racist. <laughs> you're the racist one who applied skin tone to it. So, no, but I'm bringing this up with an intention. Yes. Because I do think that it's time that we really need to expand our vocabulary and i don't think that it's fair to just lob out the word racist because i think that that actually dilutes the word and for the people who actually hate other races it now kind of diverts attention away from them and points it at this social media intern who doesn't actually have any racist bone in his body you know what i mean but you're forgetting that we need clicks and if i can put (laughs) if i can put the word racist in a, I think the second post was uh, Surfer Falls on Racist Sword, which was, that was one of my favorite headlines that aside from, uh, I think at one point I had a headline of the inertia caught in racist intrigue, which is another one about that. I'm sure slagging, I clicked. Slagging, I'm sure. Slagging Brazilians, but yeah. But, uh, so, but I, I, let's actually dig in. Sure. I think we can all become you beach grit can become a better beach grit if they actually if you guys embrace this new direction of like hey there are actual racists out there and then there's this other thing that's just insensitivity and i don't know what the right word actually is there's a, probably a better word for insensitivity that is this thing where like you know this person wasn't there's definitely not a racist because they don't but maybe feel not. that any other race is inferior. Turns out I reached out to the writer of that article. He used to work for Beach Grit. I know. I know. Did, I know. He, did he feel bad about he what I... He feel terrible. He's like, I reached out to him. I actually talked to his brother because uh, the writer just, himself... I was surfing with the brother the other day. And the oh, brother, really? The brother didn't look at me. So... Ex- they're hurt. Their yeah. feelings got hurt about yeah, yeah. the whole thing. Should have. So... Hey, don't you... <laughs> but he wasn't racist. So that's the thing is he's like, he's like, this is very low blow of Chaz and I don't I'm not protecting him at all but like I talked to his brother and his brother was like dude honestly my brother just wants to move past this whole thing you guys probably shouldn't even talk about it on the podcast yeah yeah we're Uh, talking about it yeah of course we are so but he definitely didn't mean it and I I asked him three questions I'll pull up the questions right now you did you did real like journalism here yeah dude how about that so I go here's the three questions I'm going to be meeting with Chaz in a short while um did he, first of all, write that caption as the social media guy for Surfer? Did he write that caption? The answer to that was yes. Sure. Question number two, are you racist? And the answer to that was no. Question number three was, do you feel that Nigerians are inferior to other people? Amazing. The, the question was, the answer was absolutely not. Perfect. What he meant to convey was, um, he was trying to condense 
that there's been kidnapping, some human trafficking, and other stuff that's sure. been reported, which of course has been reported in America as sure, well, sure. and everywhere else around the world. And I go, of course, when I read the caption, the original caption, I understood it to mean that. I also understood it was poorly worded, and I wouldn't word my captions that way. But I understood what he meant to say by the article, and painting him with the racist brush, again, lumps him in with guys who are actually lynching other people. And I don't think that's fair. Okay. That's all. But didn't we learn anything from the victory of Donald J. Trump? Did Have we not learned anything, David Lee Scales? I've learned some things. I'm curious what you're what have you learned? alluding to. What have you learned? I'm learning not to apologize for anything. Exactly. You double down. If Surfer would have said something even more racist after that, I would have stood up and applauded, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. Kind of, though. Because, like... Okay, what I'm doing to... What's his name again? I forgot his name. Let's just call him the Surfer Magazine uh, social media manager. I love... He, he did some great pieces for Beach Grid, yeah. some cute pieces. He's a nice guy. He's yeah. like genuinely... Super nice guy. A, He's a listener to this show, which is the only reason I know sure. him. Great kid. Great kid. Yeah. Uh, but um, I feel good about this education that he has received, <laughs> received right here. In he the, did get reprimanded. Sure, of course he did. Because yeah. it, was, it was a stupid thing to put out. It was a... It was a robustly stupid thing to put out on uh, a big platform. Uh, he should be really careful. He should know you either have a native sense about what's appropriate or not. And the fact that he didn't have a native sense that referring to Africa and the darker parts of humanity in the same sentence was not the right way to go about that. Whatever with calling Nigeria, you know, for this point, like a corrupt, you know, culture, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, Saying that the again, even though I think to be uned, to be uneducated about it, not saying that he's uneducated, but to be, I'm sure he's uneducated about Nigeria. Sure, and to paint Nigeria with a broad brush of corruption and blah 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 because it's Africa to me is really that's deeply problematic, and that's something that we should actually be talking about more. But I agree for for our for our purposes. Okay. Learn a lesson and be careful with what you say. If you're going to be edgy, he wasn't trying to be edgy there, right? He was trying to be sincere. Um, Don't write that kind of stuff ever. Like, and if you don't learn that lesson now, then like, if you don't take your slap now from, from me, I'm doing you a favor, young man, uh, and move on, then it would have bitten you in the butt. Later Down anyway. the road. Yeah. When it, when it mattered. Well, totally. If you were in another job. But- I agree with you. I'm not saying that, um, like, you definitely, he didn't lose his job over it. There was nothing really bad that happened other than just, like, a little bit of Rubber public man. shaming. Sure. Which, by the way, I'm all for public shaming, sure. and I think we need to bring it back. Yeah. Like, we've gotten away from shaming, and I think people have run rampant without it. Totally. So I'm totally okay with shaming. And you and I both get shamed because of this, we're sitting in a glass house by having this conversation. Obviously, and but if yeah. the the day that I write something as inappropriate as the darker parts of humanity in Africa, if I'm not being purposeful about you know my irony in it, uh, then I hope that you and everyone else out there blows my house down. That's what I'm doing right now, precisely. <laughs> but but what I'm saying though is that so I know or assumed when I read it. There's, there's, there's two things happening here, right? It's a funny story because it happened. Like, again, anything that happens and is live, like, it's not like it was an internal memo that went out to the surfer staff about the darker parts of humanity in Africa that I took from the internal memo and, 
and broadcasted. It was their Instagram post from the day. They have one point whatever million Instagram followers. That was out there. To me, that's public fodder. Like it's I can I can comment now on this because this has been put out. If I shine a big spotlight on it, uh, it's already out. It's not out to a limited amount of people. It's out to everyone mm-hmm. that you know theoretically everyone that follows you. So. A my most important the most important part of this was me having fun. B the second part is hey kid, like learn your lesson and wa- watch what you say. Be careful with what you say, uh, unless you're being purposefully like you know unless you're purposefully poking the mm-hmm. bear. And if you're purposefully poking the bear, C double down like Donald J Trump. Like don't apologize. Don't do some mealy mouth backstep, which ends with. I know a worse thing. Like just say, I didn't mean to come out say, I didn't mean anything bad by it. And you're racist for thinking it or whatever. Right. It was locker room talk, whatever. Right. Donald J. Trumpet. And again, so those three things to this, to the specific kid, uh, was either, either learn and adjust, or if you can't take it, then you don't belong here anyway. Quite frankly. Sure. Like, and it's like, it's a cruel, it's a cruel world. You and I have both been in for quite some time now. But I don't think that words really matter. I think words, I mean, you know, sometimes they do. But more often than not, words are play. Yeah. For me, they're play almost always. Uh, that's why I'm happy to go, you know, get vehemently adamant about backing some position only to double back and disavow it two days later. Uh, 30 minutes later yeah, on the podcast. Even <laughs> so... Yeah. I so I'm going to go ahead and double down. Like I don't think your article was wrong. I don't think his caption was wrong. I think you calling it racist was the only wrong part because I think that racism requires um intent. Two elements. Number 1 intent and I definitely don't think he would and then secondly action. You know what I mean? Like you can think in your head, you can dream of setting fires all day long in your head and fantasize about where you will set those fires, but you're not a pyromaniac until you go set those fires. See, I guess, I guess with racism, I disagree. I think passive racism is way more damaging but, than active racism, but there was no passive racism in it. So sure. I think, I think there was though. No. Well, okay. Now let me, you said the darker part of humanity associating, associating that with skin tone. I feel that was, Applying a racism that was never there with passive or intentional or aggressive, but I still think though his his the the double down of that Nigeria is corrupt, like basically all Africa is corrupt. So that's the, a different conversation. That's now a mischaracterization of the culture. But, is, but I don't think it's racist. But it's race based. I think. I mean, I think a lo- I think a lot of people think think that why Africa is corrupt is because it's run by black people. Because it's black people. Sure. No, dude. So the fact, I think also, when you start applying, like, you can't refer to any country in Africa as being darker because of their race or because of their skin tone, I feel like that's now racist. I don't think you should ever amend your language for things like that. I agree on that front entirely. And if you would have said the darker parts of Africa referring to their skin skin tone, that that actually wouldn't have been racist because then you're just making an an objective observation. Their skin is darker than white people's skin. Do you remember the Otis Carey debacle? Yeah, with uh, totally. With who was the writer? It was... um, Nathan Myers? It was Nathan Myers. When he wrote... 
uh, Crow Magnum. Sure. Which, brow. Sure. I was like, I could not believe that Nathan Myers got vilified over that completely. And again, though, it was it was like in con in context and in retrospect, it was a wildly inappropriate thing to write about Otis Carey, who is one of the very few, if not only, he's Aboriginal, right? Yeah. Yeah, percentage. Yeah, like a fifty percent sure. Aboriginal. Aboriginal yeah. But you know, there's, it's not like there's a bunch of Aboriginal surfers no. out there. Right. And so to to describe, and again, I know Nathan Myers, love Nathan Myers. Uh, don't like clearly Nathan Myers did not mean anything racist by that, but it was horribly worded, right? And that should have been that wording should have been caught on down the line, like where to me. To me, and on Beach Grit, and this is maybe always playing with fire, but I like to play with fire, and so does Derek. It's fun to play with race. It's fun to play with sex. It's fun to play with... Kicking dogs. Exactly. Kicking dogs, homosexuality. It's fun to, like, to tug on the strings that actually, you know, get people to react to stuff, but you got to be good at it. And I don't think I'm good, good at much. I think I'm good at knowing when something is really inappropriate and when something is amusingly inappropriate and dancing that dance. And again, with the surfer thing, he wasn't doing any of those things, right? He was just making a pose that he thought was appropriate. But I hope, again, to his point and to your point about racism, like playing with racism, uh, to me, it's everything is so... There's so much hyperbole, especially now, post-Charlottesville, all this. Like, racism and race is, like, the hottest fire that that there ever could possibly be in this moment. Which is also the perfect place to go and play. Uh, because that's how you can get people to actually engage in stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm not I'm not taking any high road here and like, oh, what? I was just starting a conversation. No. I was going low-hanging fruit clickbait fun at surfer's expense but i do hope that the wonderful young man who wrote that caption took that and that it'll help craft him as a writer moving forward he did and he lost sleep over it from what my conversation was with his brother and but i do think i think the value to beach grit and the reason why i even you know why we're doing this kind of co-hosted podcast together is there's always relevance to a larger conversation it's not just a conversation about like oh we need clickbait and we need to sell ad space and so let's just write the word racist in in the title like it the bigger conversation is the use of the word racist exactly which 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 i and and i think you accurately like totally appropriately put your finger on that but all I'm trying to do at Beach Grit, right, in saying that it's racist, is to play to the larger theme about how race is being and racism is being talked about in this day and age, right? Yeah. Where I can go sound the alarm about a completely more or less innocuous post, uh, but that's what's happening across the board in culture, right? Like yeah. so many things are getting called sexist, racist, uh, homophobic, da 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 da. Some of them are exactly those things, right? Yeah. Which is, I mean, I think well, what I wrote is some things, all this stuff is layered onto the new, you know, it's a nuanced thing that's being written and people are just layering, you know, identity politic kind of stuff onto yeah. it. Sometimes the words are just straight up inappropriate. And totally. in this case, that's, that was one of these. It was inappropriate, but it wasn't racist. Sure, it was totally. mis 
misguided, poorly worded, and actually a mischaracterization totally. of the Which, culture. And if you look, if you look back at the post, racist was always in quotes, just like Don Trump puts his was stuff. Was it really? In. Yeah, yeah. I always put racist in quotes, right, just to, to just to try to. All right, it's quietly fine. emphasize. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. We'll end that topic there. Um, our drinks are empty. Do we dare have another? We go. We go one more beer. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay, one more beer and pee break. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're back. Um, I'm going to close out the show with two segments. I actually am skipping over a bunch of notes that I had because I feel like two hours we're is long. pushing the limits. Yeah. Should, I mean, that's really right. if, if people are. I mean. What are the what are the two segments? Well, I wanted to talk about. There's so much that's happened in Webland in terms of premium violence. Formers oh, yeah, new yeah, edit yeah. with Dane Reynolds. What do you think um, about that? It's phenomenal, dude. How do you think of that as a business? I think it's. I was so critical about Former as a clothing brand sure. when they first launched. As and an, I, as, re- an as an insula- art installation, it's gorgeous. Yes, agreed. But I'm like, if they're selling clothing, I know that I'm not the demographic, but I still think objectively, like, this is not going to make sense. Um, And now I'm thinking twice about it. I think I might have been wrong initially. Like, I think actually the clothes are actually, they're kind of cool. Sure, sure. I mean, there's there's, um, details in the clothing, the zipper pull, internal printed collar tag, like, some of those details, I'm like, actually, that's super cool. Yeah. And it's subtle. And, like, I'm not flashy. I always wear just, like, one tone, no graphics or whatever. And, actually, some of the graphic stuff on their clothing I don't like. But I'm like, the color scheme is exactly what I wear. The cut works oftentimes. Uh, the details are subtle but, like, super cool. I like it. Yeah. I'm starting to kind of like it. Former. Try to buy something. Why? It's I, sold out. Oh. No, no. I mean, I just heard somebody tried to buy a T-shirt, like really wanted a T-shirt, and got looped around so much in like it's just not it's not an easy process. Maybe they oh, fixed okay. it. Uh, and I did like I wasn't even talking about that. Uh, but uh, like, try to or buy something and wear it. Don't try yeah. it. Buy something. Yeah. The thing is, I don't really buy clothes. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, how much is a former shirt? Uh, like a T-shirt was like twenty-five to thirty bucks. Yeah. All right, so okay. roll the dice on that. Yeah, buy, buy a t-shirt and, okay. see, and put it on, walk around and see if you feel like, it'd be like surfing an ASIM, right? Yeah, all right, I'll do it. Uh, as due diligence for the listener, yeah. I will do it. I also think they're doing a phenomenal job directing attention. Like th- That's where they've had more success, I think, than a lot of these other brands that we're talking about, where they um, we're going to do a release party for this new video, Premiere Violence, and for this new line of clothing in L.A., and I actually RSVP'd, and I was going to go, and I just decided not to go. But I RSVP'd, so of course I gave them my email address sure. by RSVPing, and now I'm on their mailing list. So they've sent me two or three emails this week trying to sell their clothing. But then when they dropped that edit, so the release party for that edit was that Friday night, and then I think three or four days later on Tuesday, they released the edit on their website. I stopped what I was doing, pulled out my iPad, and I watched it for 17 minutes, and I think all of us did. And then all of us took to social media to discuss it. I I saw Dane Reynolds post advertising the video, and I see Jay Davies and all these pro surfers commenting like, hey, that last air was amazing. So I'm like, whoa, they've shifted everybody's attention in a way that Quicksilver definitely doesn't do. Even the WSL doesn't do. And so I'm like, wow, they're actually doing a phenomenal job of 
number one, capturing um, email addresses. Sure. And then, of course, attention. I mean, and part of it, though, is I think Dane Reynolds is still the core surfer's core surfer. Exactly. Like, Dane Reynolds is your favorite surfer, favorite surfer, still. Uh, and there's some... I wasn't sure if he was until I, re- until I watched this. Sure. And then but I you, go, oh, he still is. Totally. You're reminded that Dane Reynolds still matters in surfing. Totally. Um, and he may not be the most, you know, anymore the most prolific. Former as a business is probably not the neatest, cleanest, you know, money-making thing. But in terms of getting the core surf attention, like I'll tip my hat to those guys, to, you know, Craig and Dane and Austin Gillette and whoever else is involved in that brand all day long. Yeah. Like, good on They've them. done a great job. Yeah. And there's obviously a huge learning curve involved with, like you said, making it a neat business. Sure. And I was super critical at first, but yeah, they're doing a lot of things right. It was fun to make fun of for a minute. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. Have you looked at the clothing? Do you have an opinion? I don't. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen the Premier Violence collection because that's what they're doing, right? They're releasing a video and a collection that's yeah. tied to that video. Also smart. Sure. So it's not like Rourke Revival who would go on a trip and then release clothing based on that trip. It's around a video. Totally brilliant. The only thing. I would think as a in the content game myself, it's really hard to keep that pace up of of content production, content production, content production. Where uh, Dane and Craig probably have you know a good five years in them surfing wise left, maybe Dane less, but um, I think it'll behoove former to bring on kind of the next level and do next level edits starting you know tomorrow, right. Is Dane going to be able to do a bigger air in the next edit than he did in these edits? He might. I would have never. Probably not, though. You know? I, I mean, I would have never thought he was going to do a bigger air in this edit than he did. Right. You know, Good point. in the last time. Like now that he has a kid, and sure, like, who knows? Like, yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. And, and maybe Dane will be like, "Okay, fuck airs, turns, and yeah. do turns so big that we all stop True. and say, you know, whoa." Is he going to do a bigger turn than the one he did at Holly Eva in a contest three years ago? Again, I, I would have never thought this last edit that he was going to be doing those airs, yeah. right? Did you? No, no, of course See? not. Uh, so that was the topic that I was not going to bring up. So let's move on to yeah. – I want to close out this, this show with Cougar Curran and then Barrel or Nah. Wait a second. Okay. Cougar Curran I think we have to change. Okay. Because as a linguist – Yeah, yeah. It's come to I mean noticed that you've been it's come to mean something, it it's come to mean something else. Okay. The population takes it, I feel, as this is either this thing that both do I know. is either cool or not. Right? Yeah. So people are taking taking Curran as cool and Kook as not cool. And so it's the same basic idea, but uh, you being benevolent were not attaching value to the thing. You were saying that bo- only kooks or currens do this. Exactly. People want it as a question. They want, is this kook or current? It's what they both do, but they want value judgment on it. So what you and I need to do now, the people have spoken, what you and I need to do is take puka shell necklaces and say, that's what kooks or currens do. Is it cool or is it not? You and I have to add, that's what's missing, is a layer of value judgment. That's okay. what people want. So Okay. That's what because that's what the people are doing. The people are doing this and making value judgments based, they are. based on it. Yeah. Right? Which 
I wear a rash guard. Am I a kook or a current? So they're right. Like, even though that's not the question, the question is if you're wearing a rash guard, you are a kook slash current. Like, that's, no, in my mind, it's like they're a kook. Yeah. If, yeah, totally. if you aren't doing the air reverse or without a full rotation air in this, then you're just a kook. Sure. So you can't wear a rash guard unless you're on the WSL winning heats or. Or a kook. Except I think there's a, I think there's, so the, it's the middle guy who can actually surf who's wearing a rash guard is trying to say, which one and am I'm, I? I'm going, you've already self-identified as a kook. Sure. If you ask me, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to help. I uh, agree. Or not help, but it, there's going, we're going to add value judgment now. Yeah. And everybody can disagree too with our, totally. with as our value do. judgment. Sure. So, but that's <laughs> the thing. So it's going to be kook or current. These are things that kooks and currents do. Now, is this... What's the value judgment yeah. on this? And by the way, just to drive the point home for anybody who hasn't listened to a previous episode, meaning there's nobody in the middle tier of surfers. There's no intermediate surfers that do these things. There's a few things in surfing that only novices do and experts do and nobody in the middle ground. Yep. Chaz and I aren't doing these no, things. No. Only the beginners and only the best surfers in the world. So the archive of this category is a GoPro on the nose of your board pointing directly at you, rash guards, booties with trunks, puka shell necklaces, and now I have a couple of new ones okay. for you, Chaz. I'm, ready. I'm excited. Now, here's what's weird about this. When I originally pitched this concept three or four episodes ago, I was like, I'm probably going to get one of these every six months. Sure, because That'll it seems... That'll pop into my... Because it seems like it's... It's pretty rare. It seems like it. When you brought it up the first time, I thought it was rare. Dude, now I've got three every episode. That's that's <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give you three. And you can actually disagree that they aren't. But I'm pretty convinced that these three things are. Playing a ukulele on a surf trip. Yeah. This came from a listener. Yeah, that's, to- that's brilliant. Because... because- <laughs> McCoy Rothman does it, and McCoy Rothman is definitely not a kook. I think Jack Johnson does it. He's I not think a kook. Tom Curran does it. A lot of surfers. I think Kelly Slater does it. Yep. I think Donovan Frankenreiter does it. Yep. And then absolute Barneys do All it. All the Barneys do it. Every guy who shows up to Fiji who wants to get laid goes doesn't get any set waves that day, but brings then goes back to the bar at night, orders a pina colada, pulls out the ook, Play somewhere and on then, the rainbow. And the guys who got sh- barreled all day long yep. are looking at that guy going, wait a second, and the women are fawning. Yep. Yep. Right? Yeah. What do you... Okay, so do you like it? I now think let's, it's so accurate. The listener sent it to me, and I was like, oh my God. I don't know any like actual intermediate surfer that I would associate no, with who's ever who's done pulled that. pulled out of you. He would be embarrassed to even pack it for the Okay, trip. so do you... Now, let's put a value judgment. Is that cool or not? Definitely not cool. Yeah, it's not cool. Definitely even not even cool. for Makuakai. Like, there's no you know, and maybe this is just my racism coming out. The only appropriate time for ukulele is in Hawaii, and the only place appropriate for ukulele is Duke's Barefoot Bar. You have to be touching sand. Yes. Okay. Like, I, like it. I don't like the uke exported. Ook. Ook. Yeah, exactly. I don't like it exported. I Definitely. like it. I, I like it as a Hawaiian thing. I don't like it as a surf thing. I agree. Completely. Um, Adam Carolla has this solid joke where he's like, there's a perfect size of a guitar for getting laid. Yeah. And it is the electric guitar. Sure. But 
you look at that and you go, oh, well, if that guy's getting laid, bigger's got to be better. So then you get the mariachi band with a guy yeah. with a giant guitar not getting laid nope. at all. And then you go the other way and you got the ukulele guy not, not getting, getting laid, laid at yeah. all. So you got to be, you got to have a middle sized guitar to Which get the laid. Guitar. Exactly. There you go. Acoustic is the same size. Sure. So there's some crossover sure, there sure. if you want to get laid. Totally. But I like it. Yeah. I'm like, man. Adam Kroll is right on that one. Yeah. It's not dumb. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Cougar current number one. Cougar current number two. The Gath helmet. Brilliant. Have you ever seen an intermediate surfer wearing a helmet? No. Never. I've only seen people getting barreled over shallow reef passes. Tom Carroll. Or Liam little kids. McNamara. Little kids. Exactly. Like just learning. Learning in the shore break. Yeah. Like I'll put I'll put my daughter in a gath. Uh, I, I surf with her right now, but when it's time to put her on her own board, I will guarantee her in a gath and she will not be a current when she's first starting. Exactly. Yeah. So you get the uh Let's say the brain surgeon from Hoke Hospital who yep. like deals with head trauma all day but wants to learn how to surf. Yep. And he's like, well, I'm going to go, but this is dangerous and these are projectiles, so I'm going to go ahead and get a helmet before I go learn how to surf. Smart guy. That's one guy sure. on one end yep. of the spectrum. Nobody wears that helmet until you get to Tom Carroll totally. surfing pipeline. Would you wear what, – what would be the situation where, where you would wear a gas? If I, tomorrow morning, endured a head trauma while surfing, you would put, and you, then I spent, let's say, three months out of the water, that's my um, over-under. Yep. If I spent two months out of the water, you, the you next session, I wouldn't wear a helmet. Yeah. If I spent three months and one day out of the water Your helmet. lamenting, then I would show up the next session with a helmet, and I would, ar- I would venture a guess that I would spend... Eight sessions with that helmet, and on the ninth session, I would forget the trauma and go helmetless. Does a gas helmet feel nice? No. You Imagine you've worn duck one? diving. But maybe it's like aerodynamic, hydrodynamic. No. You no. sure? I think my head, my hair is not hydrodynamic. When it's wet, it is. I feel that I need to buy a gas helmet and take it out for a spin and come back and report on not only. How it feels to surf in, but also the looks you get in the lineup. Yeah, you just self-identified as a kook. I've never worn one. You, do you feel, though, maybe they would think, this guy's pulling in so deep at D Street. <laughs> that, exactly, at D Street. <laughs> uh, yeah, that he is, like, packing D Street barrels. Okay. He, he needs a gas. Yeah, go for it, dude. Okay. I encourage you. Gas? Do you have a gas contact? No, I don't. Could gas be a sponsor <laughs> for the show? Are they still in business? For sure. Okay. There's a lot of kooks. Yeah, there are. Uh, a lot more kooks than there are currents. So this third one is uh, relevant to a recent episode I did. Riding an egg oh, shaped yeah. surfboard. I saw your uh, Instagram post. Who was riding that egg? Devin Howard. And he was ripping. Dude, the guy rips. He was he was surfing very well on an egg. He did a 30-minute soliloquy on the podcast advocating for the egg. Like, I, I need to go back and I listen. Know. I know. But eggs are shitty. I was tripping, dude. Eggs are crap. Why do you surf an egg? What's the point of Like, egg is for when you can't surf anymore, That's right? That's what I thought. But so, no matter what Devin Howard said. You and I are conflating the word egg for fun board. Sure. Isn't it the same thing? No. What's a fucking egg? <laughs> a short longboard? The egg, no. It, it is a kind of a short longboard, but it has high performance characteristics. The, okay. Then it's a fun board. 
That's what a fun no, board is. No, 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 no. The fun board is a shortened long board with hyper rocker to prevent you from purling when you're learning how to take off on whitewash. The egg has like bottom contour, two plus one set up in the fins. Like it actually, and it's designed for shoulder high to head high surf, like and bigger. Bullshit. Dude. Did you, did you, you gotta back listen? It? Did you, did you back Devin Howard's? I, in defense I of the listened egg? while I was sitting on the mic. I was like, this guy's such a kook. But like, I know he shreds, and like, I surfed with him that morning. Like, he surfs good, but like, he doesn't shortboard, you know? So I'm like, creating these value judgments. Sure, sure. And then I listened back to the episode, and I was like, shoot, actually, that fits a lot of my um, holes in my quiver that I don't actually have. When are you going to fucking ride an egg? Head high days at point breaks. I don't know. I, I want to ride an asymmetrical board. I want to ride a. a Puddle jumper. I want to ride anything but an egg. Yeah. You got to listen, dude. He's so, wrong. You got to listen. <laughs> <laughs> the day you paddled out on a head high point break day, you would have low, You would have said, why the hell? And this is Devin Howard's problem. Devin. <laughs> Fucking Devin Howard. Uh, you would have said, I would be having so much more fun on any one of my normal shortboards right now. Here's my, I'm going to argue for Devin. When was the last time you paddled out on a shortboard and surfed to what you thought was your potential? Uh, it was super depressing, but <laughs> I, was, I was in Selena Cruz, point break, head high, uh, uh, start of June a couple months ago. I remember. Yeah, it was, wasn't firing, but it was like, for me, it was like funnest size ever. And I surfed to my potential, which is, again, ain't great. But I was doing my best turns and everything on a shortboard. If I would have been on a fucking seven-foot egg, I would have been stabbing myself in the neck with coral on the way back out. If it's hollow, maybe not. Maybe it you wasn't hollow. the egg. Oh, wasn't I mean, it? It, was, it was hollow on the takeoff, but the, but the like, it was steep as it yeah. ran along the inside section. It was steep, but it wasn't barreling. Yeah. Uh, but what are the fuck I, am I going to do on an egg? You're going to catch waves deeper than you ever would have on your shortboard. So you're going to sit no. out back with the better guy, with the longboarders or whoever, catch waves like you never caught them before, and ev- everything is going to be drawn out more. So I feel like while I want to surf like Joel Parkinson on my shortboard, I never do. After I turn 22, I've not ever like surfed to the kind of um, sensitivity and like. That's not fine true. Tune- no, dude, I haven't. I bogged no. 50% of my turns. You're surfing better now than you did at 22. No, I'm not. I'm Were you good at 22? Way better than I am now. See, yeah. I wasn't good at 22. Maybe that's my... I've been all, on I, a, all I know is, dude, I'm bogging nowadays on my shortboard. And so that allows your drawing out turns. Like all the style implements you're able to kind of do with See, more foam. you know where you're going. It's embarrassing. Yes, I know where you're I'm going. You're going to... Pearl Jam XM, an egg, and the coffin. I am accepting my fate, dude. No, let's just stick. You want to go Derek Riley style? Let's all go Derek Riley style. XM hip hop, progressive shortboards, ripping. Fucking Devin Howard. I want to go to the guy surf. Are you going to criticize? Like, look at him surfing. You can't criticize it. He rips on his egg, but (laughs) I don't want to do that. I I kind of do, dude. On your Instagram, the. the, video you posted at Devin Howard? Yeah. He looked like he was having so much fun, right? He was ripping his fucking egg. Right. I thought, the only thing I thought, what if Devin Howard was on an actual surfboard? How much more fun would he be having? Yeah, that's what I mean by actual (laughs) surfboard. 
He would have been having, and I'm not talking about a JS, you know, thinly glass. Yeah, no, I'm talking about anything like under six. I mean, how tall is Devin? Is Devin a tall man? Yeah, six six foot, six one. Okay, sure. Okay, so I'm going to say if Devin was on a proper five ten, a little bit wider in the nose, like a traditional kind of modern everyman shortboard. Yeah, Devin would have been shredding that wave. Yeah, he was having fun on his fucking egg. I think the problem is okay. So to answer your question, I think that the egg allows for margin of error. Yeah. So after you turn a certain age, it's kind of like if you slightly let off the gas a little bit on a bottom turn, you either bog or don't get the projection into the lip that you were hoping to get. And so the egg allows you to let off the gas a little bit and still blast the lip. I'm holding here. You're not willing to do it. I hate the egg. I loathe the egg. Yeah. Like when I was having more fun surfing, you or him? Me. Because in my mind, I'm still a surfer Mm. and he's given up. Mm. He is, he is, Stuck the fork in, and it is done. Yeah, that bird is cooked, Devin Howard. I where does Howard live? Cardiff. You guys oh. are neighbors, dude. Cause I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go <laughs> knock on his door and just say "fucking Devin Howard" and punch him in the face. I need you guys. I think this warrants a podcast. Devin versus Chaz. Oh, for sure. I'll, well, let's do it alphabetically. Chaz versus Devin. How's okay. That? Yeah. Perfect. Even better. <laughs> All right. So. Cooker current though, like you only see kooks sure. riding eggs and Devin riding the sure. egg. You don't see anybody in the middle. I've not. I've literally never seen in my entire no. surfing life. I've only an seen intermediate kooks, surfer riding an egg. Yeah, exactly. Devin and Devin. Devin's the only current. He rips. Devin rips. But why is Devin doing that to himself? I don't know. Do you think Devin would not rip as good on That's a board? A great question. If I gave Devin, I have like a. Little nuggy. What are the mini Simmons, right? Yeah. Devin would rip a mini seven. He rides Simmons. fish, yeah. long boards, and mid-lengths. I've never seen him ride a pointy nose. Can we get Devin on a, on a pointy nose Dude. shortboard and get a video and just see? I would see? love to. Yeah. I would love to. On a good day. Okay. Like a All good right. day on a proper shortboard. Let's and he, he can't kook it on purpose. Like of course He's, he's got to really say. Yeah, of course. Of course. What he if, has integrity. He would sure, he would, sure. Yeah. What if it just opened Devin's eyes? Like, what if Devin so said, amazing. "I was blowing it my whole life. I was on this shit, dude." I would love to have that conversation <laughs> with him. <laughs> the eye-opening conversation. All right. So, those are my cuckoo currents. Barrel or nah? Yeah. This is this segment started as you giving me life advice, yep. and now I've kind of broken it into. 50% like surf-related advice, 50% life advice, barrel or not. Yes. Changing robes. Oh, okay. I wrote about this on Beach Grit. Did you really? Yeah. Sorry, I missed that one. Oh, yeah, no. I, I went down uh, to surf D Street again. D Street is the only place I surf these days. I'm sorry. Listeners who want to uh, if you want to, if, Yeah, if you want to get into conversations, go, go on down to D Street. Uh, I forgot a towel, and I was sitting there thinking, hmm, what do I do? And so I thought, hmm, screw it, and got full nude and changed. Uh, it was into trunks because I loathe any wetsuit until it gets really genuinely cold. So it was naked from jean to trunk. Um, the first time I went to Australia ever, Derek and Sam from Stab Magazine, Derek, partner of Beach Grit, Sam, owner of Stab, picked me up at the airport. We went surfing. Derek naked changed, and I thought, oh, that's how people change in Australia. You saw his wiener? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I thought, ooh. This is shocking, but this is just the way that 
they do things here. Uh, when I did it myself just days ago, I thought I'm never bringing a towel again. I mean, unless I need it for some other reason. I'm not bringing a towel to change. So I make a change, feeling my manhood, just swinging it out there, right? Liberating. Completely liberating. When I came back up the stairs to go home, there was a bunch of people in the changing ponchos and everything, and I thought, you fucking pussies. You are ashamed of your manhood. Just let it, like, we should all let it hang out. If you're not going to let it hang out, then just do the deck change with the towel. A man should not buy a changing poncho. No barrel at all. Okay. I like it. I've been considering purchasing a changing poncho for some time. See? All right. Don't buy it. Don't buy the egg. Like, stay young. Forever young. Okay. I like it, Rod Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... The problem in California with your nude policy sure, is you, you will get arrested, of course, and yeah. or have to register as a sex offender you for the rest of your life. Like all you have to be is kind of careful. I mean, how hard is it to spot a fucking cop car down the street? Not like, that hard. Yeah, you just be semi semi careful about doing it, and you don't really advertise it. Like you know, you don't go running around and in front of the mom and the fifteen kids. seconds. Sure, like from my. From jeans to trunks, I even got caught at the heel of my jean. Like oh, I had yeah, a yeah. tug off. Um, don't don't do the tug off while you're changing. I mean, save that. I do, but no, I'm, I was liberated. I was a liberated man. I could do whatever I want in oh, those okay. streets. Yeah, take take the streets back. Be, I mean, <laughs> like the people need to take light the a candle, back. put it through yes. a little paper plate, and own, take back the street. Own your masculinity. Uh, so nudity is liberating. So I grew up. You and I are similar age, but not exactly the same, which is why I lean on you for life advice. Um, I grew up in an era where there were no um, showers in the high school gym locker room. You you didn't shower? No. So the what? showers actually were in the gym, yeah. but in physical education, we didn't actually have to use really? them. So we would go to PE class, change into our PE clothing, at our locker with a towel sure. and never have to get in the shower. Oh, yeah. So I feel like everybody who came before me has a comfort with nudity yeah. that my kind of generation didn't. I'm yep. 35 for the record. I was born in 1981 for listeners who are trying to put this into context. Um, so I've had a few exa- or instances with like you're talking about where I've had to come to terms with. Sure. I was at a, a day spa, Burke Williams. Yep. And it's like, I'm getting a massage at two, but I showed up at noon to use the amenities. And uh, man, I want to go into the sauna, and everybody is naked. Sure. What do I do here? You get naked. You know what I mean? And do yeah. I, And if I go naked, you got to just fully embrace it and See, just own it. And like, hey guys, it's I'm like here. It's the, like the darker parts of Africa. If you double down, you're good to go. I feel you can make people like just not pay attention if you just own it. Right? It's when you're. When you're hedging, when you're awkward about it, that's when trouble happens. Yeah. You just own it. I subscribe to your belief, and yeah. I'm at a phase in my life now, certainly around the house, Who in cares? the mornings. Oh, it's way better. Sure. Dude. It's, Who, way, it's like surfing leashless. Who cares? You just feel liberated. Exactly. You're actually you're free. You relinquish all expectation. Yeah, yep. it's better. Okay. These cool. pipes are free. So changing ponchos slash robes, that's a knock. Okay. Knock. Barrel or not, number two. Peeing in public pools? Uh, that's a good question. Thank you. I'm really not on that one, hmm. but I don't know why. Fundamentally, it shouldn't matter, right? There's enough chlorine and stuff in there, and who cares? It's your pee. 
and who cares? You know, like I am, I am not a greater common good kind of guy. Uh, I don't care about the greater common good. So it's my pee. I don't care about sitting in my pee, right? Why not do it? But I feel there's something really fundamentally, and I don't believe in karma either. So I don't know why I don't. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to reevaluate and start peeing in public pools. If we were having this question off air, no microphones, how would you answer it? Have you peed in public pools, dude? I mean, when I was a little kid, yeah, but not. So I go to public pools all the time, right? I have a young daughter. Palm Springs. Yeah, I mean, and I'm. I have a young. So I'm honestly every other day at a public pool, uh, and I don't. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I need to revisit because I don't believe in any of the things that would make me not. And so I've got to figure out why I don't pee in a public pool. Do you? Maybe it's a maybe. Yes, I pee in public pools for the record, and I'll get into that. Maybe it's an issue for you where you're not actually in there long enough to have to pee. And so no, by the time that's you... a good hour. I mean, it's a okay. good. Yeah. Have I'll... you ever excused yourself? Yes. Yeah. And then got back. In sure. The... Sure. I'll go. See, I'll go. I'll pee in the bushes or whatever. Even. Yeah. Right? See, I'm. I, I think there's a lot of things that we all do that none of us would admit to, like yeah. texting while driving or whatever. That it's like, no, no, no. You would never ever do that, except we all do it. Sure. And peeing in public pools, I was. With my dad this last weekend, and he excused himself from the pool to go pee. And I was looking at him going, huh, I just peed three minutes ago yeah. <laughs> without telling you about yeah. it. Like, uh, and I'm not proud of it, even though I'm talking about it publicly. I'm not proud of it. Like, I wouldn't – I didn't announce it to him in that moment. But I'm going, dude, I don't know why I can even justify this in my mind, except that I think it's diluted enough – to, and it's also sterile, sure. medic, like scientifically. Sure. Like it's not going to hurt anybody. I know. Uh, I'll take it a step further, actually. Only because we've had multiple cocktails, uh, or one cocktail and two beers. Public restrooms. I go into public restrooms and pee. I will not wash my hands oh, sure. in the public restroom because... You're only touching your own... My junk, which yeah. is the cleanest thing in, in that public, public restroom. restroom. If I touch the faucet of the public restroom, totally. that's the filthiest thing possible. And if I touch the handle, so I'll pee, not wash, grab a towel, a paper towel, and use that on the handle. Sure. So as not to contaminate anybody else. But by the way, I'm the cleanest thing in this room. So I just feel like I'm just tr- – like there's no morality. There's no – it's all no. science. It's like this is – pee is sterile. It's so diluted. This is just practical. I'm such a pragmatist, a practical, that this makes sense to me. Why don't I pee in a pool? Pee in the next pool you go in. Well, I feel as liberated as I did changing nude at D Street. You need to start pissing in pools, dude. Is pee really good? It's not good. It's not bad, though. It's, it's sterile. Neutral. Yeah. The pH, whatever. Nobody's getting sick from pee. Nobody's. You could drink pee. You won't get sick. Okay. There you go. I like it. We just saved you. Oh, but except for maybe that's it. Maybe it's when you go see your dang son or daughter, take mouthfuls of public pool water and spit it out like a fountain. Because that's what happens every time it I go does. swimming. It does. And that affects your... I didn't do it before I had a kid either, but I, I don't really think I was in public pools. I mean, you know, hotel pools or whatever, but not like public, public pools. Yeah. But now, seeing the way she swims, I'm not about to put. I'm not about to pee in her mouth, right? Which is essentially what I'd be doing because she is. She is letting strangers do it. She is drinking that entire. She's not drinking it. She's putting it in her mouth and spitting it out. 
Yeah, but she's like her stomach is so full of water when she leaves. Yeah, so again, it's sterile and it's not going to hurt her. It hasn't hurt her yet. Does she yeah, go yeah, home yeah. and get sick? No, no. I mean, she has a stomachache often, but just from drinking too much pool water. Yeah, chlorine. that's chlorine. Sure. I think that's the chlorine is the culprit there. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't blame other people's pee. Yeah, on that no. on her stomachache. Yeah. So I, I and honestly, like I don't have a daughter, so can't really can't really I mean, criticize it, you. But I'm just saying, like. It's okay for her to go out and get her knee skinned. It's okay for oh, yeah. her to get germs. Of course. I don't this mind is, the germs. This falls into that category for I me. I guess it's just me peeing in her mouth. Don't think of it that way. You're taking it to a different level, dude. I'm but, not taking it. <laughs> like, I'm just saying from a scientific standpoint. It's not bad. Zero issue. Okay. I'm a pragmatist. I'm going to try zero it. Zero issue. I can't try it. I feel a real block here. <laughs> All right. Well, bar- barrel or not, peeing in pools. I need your. I'm gonna you say, need to slam the gavel. I'm going to say nah, oh. but I, I want to open it to right. the floor because if people uh, pee listening, pool? yeah, pee pool. If people out there can convince me to, I want to pee in a pool. I have nothing right. against it. I don't know why I'm against it. I'll Instagram it. And yeah, we'll have everybody weigh in. Yeah, perfect. thing is, dude, nobody's honest. For this, Every, point. I'd say ninety nine percent of the listeners right now have peed in pools. Sure, of and course, then they have. all of them are going to chime in on Instagram and be like, "You're disgusting." No, let's see, let's see. Right, okay, let's be, uh, listeners, be honest. Totally, be yeah. honest. Yeah, pee honest. <laughs> People honest. Uh, all right, barrel or not, number three, self drawn artwork on a surfboard. Uh, it w- it was barrel uh, the first time Dane Reynolds did it for Dane Reynolds to do it. Ever since then, not. Nah. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Have you ever done it? No. Of course. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I never did it myself. Uh, I wrote a sponsor's logo. And by sponsor, I mean Yemeni Airlines who paid for tickets in Yemen. Uh, I wrote Yemeni Airlines on one board. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, because they in were really hyped on the... In permanent marker? Yeah. Whatever yeah. we had at the room. Yeah. Uh, and a buddy wrote like... Arabic an Arabic poem on his surfboard that looked good, uh, but yeah, nah, nah, yeah. it's a straight out nah. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, I've had this in my notes for the last two shows, and it's going to get bumped into the next show because we don't have time. I need you to tell me about Yemen. Oh yeah. So uh, the question will be, tell me everything I need to know about Yemen. Yeah. Because you've been writing a bunch of articles about it. Yemen. I know that you're. It's important. Did you say Yemen. Yeah, Yemen. Yeah, <laughs> uh. It is important, and I've intentionally not read the articles because I thought it would be better to have the conversation on air. Perfect. Save it for the next show. Perfect. Okay. Done. Uh, Barrel or not, number four, this is the closing segment of the show, saying I love you to a male friend. Total barrel. I just signed off with Steve Sherman, famous surf photographer. Talk to him. Hey, Steve, love you. And then you get the pause and love you too, man. It's beautiful. Wait, did you do it vocally or through text? Vocally. But either way, it's great. I'm on a, the phone or in person? On the phone, but I do them both. I love the love you to male friends in particular. Uh, to, not because only to male friends, to male love or because you want to make them uncomfortable? To male acquaintances. Uh, no, it's just like why, like a lot like the darker parts of Africa, I feel love is a word that's not used enough. And mm. so, like, I love Steve Sherman. Right? I mean, love what he does. Love his personalities. Great guy. So why not sign off with love you? Right? Hmm. I, yeah. Like, You're breaking uh, down barriers, dude. Yeah. Well, and to me, also, per you and your single status, 
I feel that men may, or maybe not even men, maybe men and women, make the word love to mean this thing. Love is great, right? Love is beautiful. But, like, if you're not going to be free, like, how many girls, David Lee Scales, have you told I love you to? Dude, not only is that a great question, it is a super relevant question that I had with a girl recently. Perfect. That I say I love you to. Yes. I've, I would say five or six. See, so, so you're a lover. Dude, I love him intensely. Of course. Yes. See? And to make, I love love. Don't, like, I, I don't feel like I'm, by telling Steve Sherman I love him and then my daughter that I love her yeah. and my wife that I love her, I don't feel like I'm deluding any of them. I feel love is just, it's great, right? Like, yes. And I clearly love my wife and daughter more than I love Steve Sherman. <laughs> but by telling Steve Sherman I love him doesn't dilute and it doesn't it doesn't dilute up the chain where i feel somehow people feel uh the diluting principle that just doesn't exist yeah that love is not a finite thing and right. it's not a so true and it's also not a singular thing right so i can love steve at a super minor fun level yeah uh it does not take away from loving daughter or wife right i, I i'm all about and particularly right. male friends like, I think you can confuse, uh, I mean, if you're heterosexual or whatever, you can confuse your love partner that or the, the person you're crushing on by telling them you love them too early. I see that, you know, vaguely there should be maybe a little more care. With, yes, with your intimate relationship. Precisely. Yes. But, but with man on man, I will tell, I will say I love you to almost anyone in the surf industry, including the poor young surfer boy that I, he whose, needs, whose career I destroyed. At Surfer Magazine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he needs that, by the way. Yeah. You need to mend that yeah. fence. Um, do you know why I'm asking you this question? Hmm, no. Okay. Uh, last time we recorded was at Album Surf in San Clemente. And as we were leaving, there was, there was a stairwell. And it was like we parted ways and... We couldn't see one another. Yeah. And as you turned to the corner and I didn't have a visual contact on you, I was like, all right, dude, see you later. And you shouted out. You're like, all right, love you. And I already had a thank you chambered. Yeah. So you said, love you. And I go, thank you. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, shoot. That yeah. was already chambered. I didn't mean to say thank you to I love you. And then I was forced to assess the I love you where I was like, all right. 98% of your and my time together is has been on the air. On the so air. I don't really know each other no. enough to like really feel a proper love the way that I might define it. Some, sometimes so, I think about calling you and then I, I stop because I want to keep it at the 98%. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, There's I only a magic want to talk to, to you on the air. Totally. Yeah. I, I actually agree with that. So then I was like, all right, so that I love you came from one of two categories. It either came accidental like, yeah. like I had my thank you chambered. He had the I love you chambered as if he was talking to his wife. And so that came out accidentally. No. Or option number two is he uses it, you know, just like all the time for, for uh, acquaintance relationships. In which case, I'm, I'm cool with either scenario. My thank you actually was so silly. And now I was actually rushing to the bathroom. So I was peeing, analyzing the whole thing going, God damn it. That was so silly. Like, thank you. That is not the right thing to say. Like, what? And, but 
again, reconsidering all of my male relationships in my life and then going, dude, I do love Grant. Sure. Why don't I tell Grant that sure. I love him? Well, because he might not be comfortable with that. Well, maybe I should address that. Maybe I should have that conversation with Grant. So, I mean, I use it for, I don't use it all the time. I, I use the I love you to male acquaintances or people, males that I know who I genuinely, like at a deep, genuine level, enjoy. And I genuinely, deeply enjoy these conversations, right? Like whether, whether or not P, uh, J.P. Curry likes them or other people like them, right, like is vaguely immaterial to me. I genuinely enjoy these conversations. J.P. Curry hates them. He doesn't like them. He gets mad. Have, he, you, have you ever had a personal conversation no, with no. him? But I love J.P. Curry, too. Yeah. I So J.P. Curry, for the listeners, is a troll who gives us a hard time. I've had quite a few one-on-one interactions with him through email. Yeah. And uh, I value his insights. Sure, me too. Yeah. I wanted to hire JP to come over to Beach Grit no if we could have. Yeah, I did. Did you offer him? Uh, yeah, I did. And declined? Uh, it was when right when Rory Parker left, and JP on the uh, message boards was really defending uh, Rory and then emailing me, asking me, hey, like, is there an opportunity here, an opening? Which made me love, like, maybe not love, but genuinely appreciate JP's, like, the cutthroat, like, like totally propping a guy up here and trying to steal, you know, at that point, well, I mean, it would have been stealing his job, but, like, yeah. really, you know, doing something underhanded here. And I really appreciated that in yeah. JP. And so, yes, told him, man, there would be almost no one, no writer out there. Well, not no writer, but I would I would gladly have you here. And his price tag was too high. But no would, way. Yeah, but I would still amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I would still. <laughs> he priced himself out he, of the he market. Priced, he priced himself out. Yeah, of, of Beach Grits Market. But uh, <laughs> he overvalued himself. He did. But JP, though, the things I read from him, and it's not a lot. It doesn't seem like his production is. His output is that great anymore, yeah. or at least in surf it isn't. But I, I genuinely enjoy him, and I genuinely enjoy when he when he comes on and trolls. Uh, I always think there's value to what he says, right? Like he's yeah. right. I think I think a lot of his criticism of this show for what he's saying, like I don't know, right? Because it's a this is a completely subjective value judgment. JP's opinion is totally valuable for JP. And maybe it's valuable for a ton of people. The proof is in the pudding. So if people are not really listening or downloading or whatever, then JP's right. If they're if they are and enjoy the what time are we at right now? Two hours and forty minutes. Let's keep it going. Okay. Set a record. If they if they are enjoying the two hours and forty minutes of you and I blathering back and forth, uh, then right, that's what it is. So yeah. it's too early for me to know if JP is right, but JP may be right. This may be dog shit. So JP um, has been a listener of Surf Splendor since the very beginning. Do you have to get out of here? Do you want to take that? I can no, pause I'm it. Good. All right. He's been a listener to Surf Splendor since the very beginning and has actually provided me some pretty interesting insights over the years that have helped craft the direction of the show. And so I, um, some listener commented on Instagram after our last show and they're like, oh, it looks like you, found, you got your first troll. That's like a sign that you've actually arrived. Uh, and I mess or I replied to that Instagram comment publicly, and I was like, "It's actually unfortunate. Like, I actually value JP's insight over the years, and him saying that he's not going to listen anymore 
I'm bummed about that, and I would love to keep him as a listener, but I'm not going to amend what I think has value to the greater public. And by the way, the greater public signs off on what you and I have been doing in terms of what I do with Scott on Spit is surf news, and it's like who won what contest. And then what I do with Shapers is about board design. And then what I do on the show Wax On is just like long form interviews with luminaries. And what you and I are doing is a commentary about surf culture at large, regardless of who won what contest. So if JP doesn't see the value in it, then that's on JP. I don't care. I'm not pandering to that, pandering to the people who actually get it. But I would still be sad to lose him. Anyways, JP sent me an email, really, really long email that turned into a rant. And um, I had a back and forth with him that I thought had value. But one, a number of other people actually chimed in and they go, hey, I've been reading his commentary. When did he become angry? Oh, yeah. And I thought that actually was kind of the most interesting detail in the whole exchange, which is I remember JP being like insightful and everything. and uh, But there was a certain point where it became, hey, it's okay if you have a problem with what Chaz and I are talking about. But when did you like put your your flag in the sand and go, I'm never going to listen to this again. And you guys are wrong. You guys are bad for talking about this. But what if JP's right? That's what I wonder. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I want, and, and like the thing is, it'll, you'll never know. That's why, like, not, not only do I love you and uh, enjoy these conversations, that's why I keep doing it, right? Like, because it's fun for me to do. And I hope that you have fun doing this too. Uh, totally. It's fun for me to talk about this stuff. Um, J, you know, the fact that JP doesn't love it. Or doesn't like it at all. Sorry, not only does he it, might not even hear this because he, he, he he's not going to listen he after our last it. episode. He hates it, uh, but he may be right. Like artistically, in my life though, you never, you never, ever, 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 ever know what you're creating, and you never know the value that it has. Uh, and the first kind of people who weigh in uh, critically, you don't know if they're right or wrong. They may be right. They may be wrong, but you got to do something for a while in order to, to see if it actually has value, I think. That's I, where JP weighed in too quick with the, this is shit. Uh, it may be shit. He may be right. He just he just weighed in too quick. And, but there's also an element that you and I have talked about where it's like, I love that he has conviction. To me too. Call me no. out. Call me out. Totally. And I think that for every bit of feedback I've received about the podcast over the years, even if I disagree with 99% of the sentiment. It's all helpful. There's 1% of it that I go, ooh, yeah. you know what? You're right. Totally. And so, and I have a thick enough skin to where the 99% of negativity that I received out of that isn't really going to defer my direction. No. Like, I believe in the quality of the content enough to where, like, my heart's in the right place. I'll get to the end point, sure. even if I make missteps along sure. the way. So, 99% doesn't bother me, but that 1% that did have, you know, you applicability... I'll use it. Well, that's the thing, too. How, how many hours are we at right now? <laughs> five minutes after I last told you. Two minutes and 45 minutes. I mean, that's Two amazing. hours and 45 that's minutes. That's amazing. Do you think anybody's going to listen to this yes. thing start yes. to finish? Yes. Uh, I feel beyond a shadow of a doubt that people want longer content. They've asked for it. Okay, so, the- we're, so we're really, at this point, straight up saying, be careful what you wish for. Yes. Entirely. Yeah. yeah. Entirely. Do you feel like there was any um, slow parts 
in the discussion or conversation? Or today? No, yeah. because I enjoy talking to you. I didn't either. And so, but people want to be a fly on the wall. God bless you, people. I mean, God, honestly, God bless all of the people who listen or read anything I write. I, I still, we, you and I had a conversation about how long. What should we limit the length of the podcast? Yeah. I think two episodes ago we had that conversation. I had an email as recent as yesterday where somebody, I think it might have actually been Bruce from Austin, Texas, at the end of his email was like, oh, and by the way, keep the podcast long, long form better. Well, and, and that's what you've, like, I've been writing kind of short for, I mean, Beach Grid is all about short, you know, take anything and just put it in the nut and send it out right away kind right. of thing for so long that it's fun for me to enter a new medium that I'm like not only unfamiliar with, but yeah, uncomfortable with yeah. and just be able to be able to see, okay, I'm going to let the medium dictate the tone and the people will speak when they stop downloading. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's check the download numbers at the end of this and okay. see what happens. But you didn't know that it had been two hours and 45 minutes, right? No, no. It feels like it's been an sure. hour. Yeah. I enjoy sitting and talking yeah. and drinking. All right, so barrel or gnaw, we got three gnaws. Saying I love you is the first barrel. Is the suit, and that's a super barrel. That's like, super that's not barrel. even that's not even a Kelly Slater, Wave Ranch, Jerry Lopez non-barrel. That's a Jerry Lopez, G-Land, overhead, tosser. Quadruple. Yeah. Through every section. Yep, all of the sections. All of the sections. Yeah. Well, there's only one appropriate way then to end this conversation. I love you, David Lee I Scales. love you too, Chaz. <laughs> uh, for the listeners, though, until next week, or until two weeks from now, until next episode, get there. Yeah. And we love you too, the listener. I know we forgot to say it, but it's true. And uh, man, wasn't that fun? <laughs> so much ground covered in that episode. And that's what I love about Chaz. Uh, of course, you can find all of his work on beachgrit.com. Everything that we discussed in this episode is on surfsplendorpodcast.com, where um, we have a huge archive of episodes at this point. As I referenced in the episode, this style of show with Chaz is only one of the styles of show that we produce, but um, we have interviews, long-form interviews with luminaries, surfboard shapers, all sorts of stuff. Check it out, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Drop a couple of nickels in the donation bucket if you don't mind. This show solely exists off of the generosity of our listeners, so thanks for that. And then rate and review the show on iTunes. That's another great way to share this show with friends and help ensure its growth. And follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. We will engage in conversation with you there. All right. Until next week, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor Network reminding you, get back into the ocean, share a couple of waves, and shred on. <laughs>